Welcome, sports fans, to an exciting and special edition of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. I'm Jeremy Forehand, member of the D'Arville Warriors football broadcast team and the quarterback for the D'Arville Warrior postgame show here on Talking Ball Y'all. Uh, tonight's episode is spotlighting the 20th anniversary of the lone state championship team from D'Arville, the 2002 D'Arville Warriors football team. Some would say that this team was the best team ever to play at D'Arville, but I'll tell you, I will not dispute one thing. is is the only team to bring a state championship home to D'Arville. That team was special. A uh, senior-led bunch, 27 seniors on there, a lot of coaches on the field. They made a promise to each other, you know, back in junior high, that they were going to win state. They had a first-year head coach taking over for a uh, beloved coach that had uh, moved on to a different job. They were trying to rebound from a te- from losing in South State the previous year. They lost a record-setting tailback from the previous season. It's just a lot of things that we're going to dig into between the interviews with with the with the coaching staff, and I was able to interview about seven or eight. I think it was eight players from that team. Um, a lot of key components uh, on that run there in two thousand and two. Um, I just want to tell a quick story about that that particular game. Um, if anybody from South Mississippi knows folks around D'Arville, Biloxi, anywhere down on the coast here. They love their oysters. And I just remember being in Jackson the first week. It was December the 6th was the date. We played the 7 o'clock game on Saturday night. 4A finished up on Saturday night. They had the 5A game the previous night. And... I remember being in the parking lot for tailgating. I never did to a whole a whole lot of college tailgating, so I had never really seen the tailgating scene, shall we say. So I just remember they're, you know, playing, throwing the washers at the boards, and then I look over. Uh, if if you're from D'Arville, you're going to know this name. Um, I see Mr. Joe Miller shucking oysters in the parking lot at Veteran Memorial Stadium in Jackson. And folks are eating raw oysters out of, from a fresh sack there uh, before, pre-gaming before we went to watch the Warriors play West Point. You know, there's just uh, something about seeing that that I think uh, that's Diaberville, you know. Just some good old boys enjoying their fresh seafood that's from their hometown and area before their football team plays a big game, you know. But so far as this, what you're going to hear a lot of on this on this special episode is that this team was a tight-knit group. I think it everything lined up for them, you know. It was like everybody says, the stars lined up. That's how that season was, you know. Between the coaching changes, 
the schedule, you know, everything and the plays, you know, they had a co- a tough tough couple of playoff games against at Gaucher, you know, this is prior to the way the rules are now in high school football where the higher seed hosts no matter what, depending on who they're playing. You know, that was back when they wanted to give every team if they won on the road week one, then they got a home game week two. So even though Diarville was the region champ that year, they had to go to Gaucher, who had finished second in the division behind them. So just some some other little small things that people might not realize about that team. So hope you enjoy. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to our sponsors for the special episode, Neo Life. Uh, the their their founder Robbie Ellis was a member of that team in 2002. I'd like to thank Neo Life for sponsoring us, and I'd also like to give a shout out to our second sponsor, Stephen Fernie. Uh, if you need a car, go see Fernie over at Mercedes Benz of South Mississippi in Diarville. He'll take care of you. Okay. But last but not least, I want to thank. Clay Sweet, Jeff Lossett, the Talking Ball Y'all founding pair. Uh, I want to thank y'all for letting me come on and do the podcast with y'all, for y'all. And uh, I look forward to doing this for for a while, guys. So you stuck with me for a little while. But guys, y'all stay tuned. Got a great episode. Like I said, we're going to talk to some of the coaches. And then we're going to interview a handful of the players. Now, there was some, it was a big conflict of dates on getting a lot more people to talk, and this was kind of thrown it. I kind of pulled this together, you know, within the last two weeks. It's just schedules didn't match up. So you might only hear, like I said, you're only going to hear eight guys out of the, uh, you know, 60-something plus roster, but, uh, they have a lot of a lot of lot to say about their fellow teammates. So hope you enjoy it, and uh, I'll be back at the tail end just to kind of wrap it up. So stay tuned. Thank you, guys. Neolife Physical Therapy and Wellness's mission is to treat pain and improve people's functional ability in order to improve their quality of life. As an organization, we want to be a model as of what primary health care and physical therapy looks like and we want to provide the highest level of evidence-supported techniques possible in order to live more productive and pain-free lives. We are creatures of movement. We live in a physical world, so it's important for us to address our problems with the physical means, such as physical therapy. To learn more about us and how we can help, visit our website at www.neolifeept.com or call 228-280-8120. It feels good to feel good welcome back to the talking ball y'all podcast a special episode here for the 20th anniversary of the 2002 state championship team at the Arborville. uh joining me now is the uh most of the coaching staff we should say i got brad tally ted williams glenn german and eddie wayne whitehead uh only ones missing are keith marslin and uh student teacher brad pickens and of course uh Head Coach Lewis Smith. Uh, guys, it's good to see y'all. Uh, I appreciate the last 
30 minutes more than y'all know just listen to y'all reminisce and talk about different things uh it's good special to be here. special season uh obviously probably two of the better seasons back to back 0102 um just a great team all the way around starting off with coach whitehead what was some of the things that you remember fondly of that season, uh, specific moments, games, anything like that, just starting off with that? Well, I appreciate you uh, having us here and you doing this. I really didn't realize it's been 20 years, so it's kind of crazy to think that it's been 20 years. But, uh, you know, the thing I remember is the, the bond, number one, that the kids had between themselves and I, I think a lot of that had to do with uh, Coach Smith also. Coach Smith had coached all of them in junior high. Uh, we were all under Lewis in junior high. He had hired us as coaches under him. Some of us was already up when he got the head job, but pretty much his whole staff was guys that, that he had under him. So, I, you know, I feel like he was very loyal to us. And, you know, I, I just feel like Coach Smith being our head coach was uh, something that set the team apart. And I think the team really believed in him and, I think that was a you know a big deal, and like I said, the brotherhood that the guys had, they worked out together, hung out together, and that's stuff you can't replace. With you know, they, obviously they were talented, but they had a bond that made them different. Yeah, I, I've, I've I was telling you earlier, I watched a few of uh, Jason Hockaday has a few on a few clips on his YouTube page that are from the news clippings from WLOX back then, and I remember seeing the word family popping up a good bit, you know, and. Y'all may help me on this, but prior to Coach Smith being the head coach, he was assist. He was a ninth grade head coach for 22 years. Is that correct? Does that sound re- right? That um, sounds about right. And he was actually an assistant coach when I was in junior high, and an assistant junior high coach when my brother and his buddies were in junior high. And that was back in the late 70s. You know, we I was talking to. Jason Hockaday about it, you know, and I, I re- specifically remember when Coach Russell decided to go to Biloxi, you know, and the head coaching job was up, and uh, we didn't know which route they were going to go or any of that, and, you know, some people might not have uh, thought that Coach Smith was a good pick, but at the same time, just from what you were telling me, I think now I've done went and gone to the other side now to where it, he was the right choice because – he was familiar with not only with all of you, but he was also familiar with what these kids were able to do. So I think uh, think it ended up being – it definitely ended up being a very good choice at the time. You know, he finished 40-25 and 25 in his six seasons that he was head coach with with the Lone State Championship. So, Coach German, you, you were the offense coordinator at the time. Uh, Tell me about something along that season, along with Coach Whitehead, that uh, you could pinpoint as the, you know, the turning point, the special point, and that sort of thing. Well, Coach Smith gave us free reign to coach, and I'm going to tell you, the turning point was against East Central. When Coach Whitehead convinced him to just run it three times and punt because defense was having a good game, and Coach Smith and I had a conversation after that game that if I was going to run three plays and punt, he could call plays from now on. And so that was our turning point where offense did its thing and defense did its thing, and I think that really helped us, you know, because I think that game was a 14-7 to seven or something like that, 14-3 to three game. 
You know, and I remember the play we scored, a little fake toss, throw to the tight end, you know, and Landrum scored. So, and that was, our, I think, our turning point. You know, and the thing is, that season, we worked shotgun every day. Worked it every day. We never ran it one single play in the ball game. Under center, every play. We're going to get to the other guys, but I'm going to – somebody brought up a play, a particular play in a particular situation. Uh, fourth and eight against George County. You call a 46 lead on a fourth and eight. Do you remember that play call in the situation at the time? Not honestly. I remember the touchdown. Because that, uh, that was what Coach Prince had told me to bring up. He was – Talking about the gutsy call at fourth and eight, the fourth and eight that you ran a forty-six lead to Cotton and uh, got the first down. The play before that was Beer pitchback and Cotton slipped. I remember that. Well, uh, I'm going to add on to that as well. The touchdown to to go up twenty to seventeen on George County in the South State game was that indeed the same play call that we beat them on last year, the previous season in two thousand and one. The the yeah. the. Fade. 13 stop. 13 stop. Um, you know, that's just some more that we were adding on. But And, well, I'm, and I'm going to tell you, I called timeout. And back then, you didn't have to be the head coach to call timeout. And Coach Smith was upset. We didn't need a timeout. But when I went in the huddle, eyes were jumping. You know, hey, calm down. We ran it 100 times. Yeah. Coach Daly. I'm assuming you were doing the special teams because every time I know you, you're doing the special teams. Um, first of all, let's talk about let's talk about the uh, the place kicker for the Warriors, Darren McCaleb, and how a special special portion of this team that he was. Um, you know, I know he had the two field goals in the state championship game, and I, I hate to bring this up and add on to it, but. If we had a Darren McCaleb type in 08, there's probably two state titles in this at this school. Probably right. Probably but right. McCaleb was a special person. Just add on to that how you feel about Darren McCaleb, and then also let us know how you, you know, the things you talked about during the the fields and you had during the season with the team and special points and and that sort of thing. Well, Darren was special. Uh, he's uh, he's his own weapon, you know, and everyone knows about the kicking game and how big of a weapon it can be for you. Um, you knew where they were going to be starting with Darren. You know, it was going deep. Uh, you, you knew once you got within the 30-yard line, you know, you knew points were coming. Uh, Darren was a special athlete. He loved kicking, uh, accurate. Um, as far as, uh, gosh, any point in the season, as far as when I knew anything, you know, I'm always more of the – Negative Nancy, as they would like to say, you know, I'm, I try not to put the, the horse before the cart. Um, I knew we had a special group of kids based on, you know, from the last year, the, the bond that they had. They grew up together. They hung out together. The, you know, they went everywhere together. So we knew we had that special bond. And you always hear people talk about uh, team mindset. And, and they had that. You know, they grew up together, played together, been around each other. So it was uh, – I knew it was special going in. Couple of games, you know, you look at and you know, it's like, ooh, I don't know, but you know, they pulled through. You know, it was, you know, I can the, the Cotton family special, you know, and I, I always reminisce with with uh, Clarence out here, 
talking with him and Carlton when Clarence was coming up. Carlton would be out here. I'd race Clarence down the track. And, you know, we were a huge family, you know. And to me, more than anything, that's the, the glue that held us and, and made it special for us. Yeah, I mean, I always joke with y'all about seeing y'all, you know, during – and, and I, what I remember the most is just seeing y'all on Thursdays when we were finishing up painting the field. And y'all would come on to start doing practice. We would be finishing up, and we'd always start to cut up with y'all and joke with y'all like we always did, you know, between me and my dad and the rest of us that were doing it. But, uh, you know, it's just all – I always enjoyed – I always tell everybody, I always enjoyed being around uh, this place, that this stadium that's outside the door here. Um, Coach Ted Williams, uh, it's been a while since I've seen you. Uh, good to see you. Uh, it's good to be here. I'm glad that we're uh, getting the opportunity to talk about this a little bit. Um, is there any special point or play or anything during the season that, that makes you – Remember back to 2002, and, and at that point, think uh, we got a shot here to to win this whole thing. Well, the thing I remember most was when that group was in the ninth grade and they won that uh, bowl game. They knew then, and they even talked about it in the end zone after that game that they thought that they were going that they were good enough to win it all, and that game or that day I think they made a pact with each other because I mean after that they were the hardest working group of young men that I've ever had the privilege to uh, coach. What I remember most is we always did uh, bear crawls. We had a little thing set up where for if they were late for practice or got in trouble at school or for whatever reason the nutcracker they would have to bear crawl through the nutcracker after practice. Well, this group decided that they were going to all do it every day after practice just because. And that is something that I remember that really stands out, that their commitment to be better no matter what it took, and that was the type of group that they were. And it showed in the uh, state championship game. Yeah, I mean, this was uh... – uh, we can't say the word enough. This was a, a special team, uh, top to bottom. I, I'm going to say that. And uh, some, you know, some people around Dyerville want to always talk about what was the best team. What was that? Well, let me just bring this up. There was only one team that's won a state championship, and uh, 2002 is right at the top of the list when it comes to that. Um, somebody brought up a, a particular instance that I wanted to ask both y'all about. And, and to see if y'all actually knew about it. So the game against George County and South State, you know, obviously Nick gets hurt and goes out with the shoulder problem. And uh, he was out basically. That happened in the second quarter. And uh, he was out for at least until the fourth quarter. And yeah. the story I was told is that, First of all, Coach Smith went into the locker room in the fourth quarter and got sick. He threw up in the fourth in, while he was in the locker room. And then he told Nick Ladner that if he didn't come back out, that we weren't going to win. Um, do y'all remember that story or have y'all heard that? Or did you not even realize that was going on because y'all were so busy on the field? No, I didn't know what was going on. I knew um, Nick was coming back. You know, we had Dr. Murphy 
on the sideline and had a couple of doctors and he said they're rushing him in they're rushing him out you know everything's fine he'll be back you know but Hockaday wasn't a bad backup you know he'd probably started for a whole lot of other teams but I didn't, no, I didn't know Coach Smith went in there and said it. You know, of course, there's all kind of stuff being said after the game. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that that game that game in itself. I feel like uh, you know, if we were to watch it and go over details, I think that game in itself we could have a hold another podcast just on that game. Uh, so many ups and downs and so many emotions to it. Um, Let's go and talk about your offense. Uh, do you remember how many points you scored on the season? Four, 14 games. No, I remember I think we were a 31-point-something average because that's on the ring, but I couldn't tell you a single score. 30.9 per game was your average. Um, and it was your first – we talked about it earlier, first year calling the offense. Right, for the high school team, yeah. Um, knowing what you know now in the one team, what were the difference – in the offense between the two seasons. Was there that much that changed from the 0-1 team to the 0-2 on the offensive side of the ball? We we threw the ball a little bit more and threw some short passes a little bit more. I mean, to go from Torrey Staten, who, uh, you know, record-setting back to Carlton Cotton, who at the time Carlton was the fullback. Is that correct with Torrey? Yeah, that's it. And for him to end up, I think he ended up with 2,100 plus yards that year. Uh, 2110. 2110, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. What was the, you know, obviously Nick was still a quarterback for the junior year as right. well. Um, is there anybody on that offense in particular that you could point out or a group of guys that, that improved in their senior year to help push the team to the state title? Esau Smith improved a lot, you know, and Jonathan Parker was only a junior. And I think um, Josh Ladner, who's coaching now, I think he improved a lot. You know, he really wanted to be a defensive guy. You know, and Coach Whitehead talked to him and I talked to him. You know, I think he realized his role, you know, going to the next level would be on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that's kind of changed his mindset and he got pretty good too. Yeah, and uh, I think the one – you know, the the ones always bring me back to uh, Jared Landrum at the tight end spot. And then, like I said, Cotton at the tailback. And then the receivers was at the time were C. Wright and – Clarence Cotton. Clarence Cotton, the brothers. The Cotton. Clarence Cotton. The and Cotton McCaleb, Club. McCaleb played a little receiver too. Um what was the what was the game on your side of the ball that you would think the, just without looking? Which one was the one you'd feel like you had the best game on the offense, play calling wise? What George County? George, George you County. Yeah, that's when when we came from behind, you know. Now I do remember the Bay St. Louis game. Now they were not very good, but I think that's the only time I remember getting every single possible yard that we could get. Yeah, that was a 52 to nothing uh, game. Right, but we, the base. thing is, we got every single yard. We never punted. We never turned it over for downs, even when the uh, backups came in. They got every yard they could get. How did you feel 
What changed between week one after the Harris Central game and going forward into the rest of the season on your side? Uh, opened it up a little bit more, and we actually wore the kids out before the Harrison Central game. You know, we, you know, like Coach said, them doing nutcrackers every day. You know, we ran sprints, you know. I mean, we just, we wore them out, you know. And the kids were like, Coach, we were dead the second half. And so we quit running so many sprints. <laughs> now, uh, Coach Prince brought something up. This is for you, Coach Williams. Uh, Coach Prince brought something up to me and, and wanted me to ask you about you, and you said it as well. He brought up about when y'all were in seventh and eighth grade with these kids, and they talked about winning the state championship. Uh, some people might not realize that it's a lot. The, the layout of the schools is different now. So when these kids were in junior high, that was everybody included as if they're at the high school now. And what I mean by that is there was no Northwell Market at the time. No. There was no, there was no more other junior highs. It no. was Diabville Junior It was Diabville Middle School and so Diabville High School. now it's kind of split up to where you got Creek Bend. You no, know, Robbie Ellis and Jared were and all North, them were at Northwell North North Market. Oh, so we, they did, did, okay. yes. we did have a few. They, okay. they, yeah. We had a couple that were played in seventh and eighth grade with at Northwell Market. Okay, I wasn't yeah, sure. I remember actually. Yeah. I wasn't Ellis, sure where we was at at that point. Jared Landrum. Yeah. Not Landrum. Well, I don't know if Landrum was or not. Well, the Nick Ladner would have been there, I would assume. No, Nick was here. Okay. Either way, just, uh, you know, let's let's go back on that more of – Yeah, and poor North Woolmarket didn't win a game in seventh, eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think the layout of the county has changed now to where it's, you know, there's so many of them spread out now. But yeah, now they got Creek Bend. Talk about how the uh, – how it was in junior high with these kids, and and what would you say the percentage of the team was already together at that point in seventh and eighth grade? Probably sixty percent of them. I think it was probably more than that. I think there were only a handful that came on uh, in the ninth grade from North Woolmarket that were act, you know, that were actually played and were starters. Robbie Ellis being one of the main the main yeah. piece to the, yeah. the main piece to our puzzle. Yeah, and uh we're gonna jump into that. Coach Whitehead, the defense. Uh let's just start with that. We're gonna start with I'm I'm gonna say the three cogs on the defense, and that would be uh Jason Hockaday, Robbie Ellis, and Sean Merrill. Um add on to that and just Tell me about some more of your defense and how you felt going into the year with the crew that you had. I mean, obviously we felt good because we, you know, thought we had a good team returning from the year before, but we, we were missing, and I can't remember who all we were missing from the year before, but we had some people that, you know, replaced them. Uh, you know, our front and our linebackers, I think, were, were you know, Pretty solid. I mean, we were solid all over, but you know, there, there was you know one or two spots that you think that you, you know you might could have improved on. But uh, well, I, I want to add to that and say that Delmas Holly was a sleeper because they, you know, when we faced another team, like we're not running to Sean Merrill, we run it away from Sean Merrill. Well, that was a mistake because Delmas Holly was not as big as Sean Merrill or as as, as strong and fast, but Delmas Holly could play. But Delmas was 
six three, two twenty five, and yeah. probably run a four six. Yeah, I mean, almost was rough because he, he pretty, used to pretty give legit. me pretty good at practice. He didn't have a slow gear for practice, and yeah. I I hated running at Delmas because he was going to hit me. So I, you know, I think our front four all were really good players, and that that made it, you know. Made it easier for our linebackers. And, and, you know, Hockaday, I think he's a, you know, obviously turned out to be a great coach in the D.C. And, uh, you know, I think his film study and stuff in high school set him apart. Uh, I want to say he had three or four games in a row where he had a defensive touchdown. And mm -hmm. That's pretty much unheard of. And, and he was the MVP in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. And, you know, He's not the most athletic or fastest person on the field, but his film work and his, his love of the game set him apart. And knowledge of the game. Yeah, and that defense, what, y'all gave up one rushing touchdown in regular season? Or did none. it go to the playoffs? None, none in uh, regular season. Right, it was Brookhaven. Yeah. And we were that talking quarterback. about the Brookhaven game earlier, Jimmy Johns, they were a very good, uh, very good team. And this, this is the thing that I remember – uh, you'd ask us one of the things you want to talk about was when we knew we had a shot. And, and I won't forget, we were coming back from Gautier and Coach Williams was on the bus and we found out that Brookhaven had beat South Pike two to nothing. And we just all started screaming because uh, South Pike was kind of our thorn in our side. And, and we had went and watched them the last game of the year. And they were very talented, very fast. Uh, and, you know, they beat us the year before. And we already knew we were going to have to go back up there again, I think. And it was, you know, we weren't looking forward to it. And they got beat and was like, all right, it's in our favor. And Brookhaven had to come to us, and we beat them 31-7. to And uh, Jimmy John scored, I think, in the fourth quarter. And that was the first rushing touchdown, the, probably the 12th game of the year, we give, the, give up the first rushing touchdown. But, you know, I said it was 31-7, to so that's the first one we'll give up. I can live with it. Yeah, I, I, I actually remember it. He went to his right, kind of looked like an option. Sean hit his knees, and that sucker was quick and just went around him. Yeah, I mean, the defense, you know, 14 games gave up 95 points total, 6.8 average per game. Uh, and so far as uh, South Pike, Pike County schools, Macomb, South Pike, the D'Arville history, there's only been one win against – Either one of those teams. The Diarville, no Diarville teams ever beat South Pike. And uh, yeah, North Pike back then too. Yeah. when I was playing. So, so but yeah, I, I, I knew he was glad they they got beat. I saw I saw us. We lose that. We lost that McComb my freshman year and then senior year to finish it up. So I remember those two for sure. Yeah, and that game we went and watched South Pike. They beat McComb forty-two to twelve, and McComb had a good football team, and South Pike drubbed them. It's like. And it was, a, it was an electric atmosphere, a lot of people, and, you know, I'm not saying they'd have beat us, but I'm was glad we didn't McComb play. Was that McComb or was it at South Pike, that game? That McComb. It was that McComb. Okay. Um, you know, but, it, but I don't know if these guys have done it, but I know, you know, we all went on and coached, and I always compared teams that we've played, could we have beat this team? You know, the uh, Meridian one year I thought could beat our 0-2 team. And that's really the only team because I, th I thought we were well-rounded in all three parts of the game. Well, I think y'all had y'all had an additional, you know, 10 to 15 coaches on the field along with y'all on the sideline. I mean, this ain't, this ain't one of them teams where if y'all aren't paying attention to them, 
They're just going to go off and do whatever. They're going to do what they're going to do their job. It was like a job to them. When they come to practice, they're going to do their job and get their work done. And then we're going to go on to the next thing. I've always felt that way, you know. And like I said, I hate to bring up the three-headed monster right off the bat, but Sean, Robbie, Jason, you know, leading the way with those guys. There may have been other ones that I didn't necessarily see, but those are the three that that stand out. Right. Well, like like Jason was a coach on the field for defense. Yeah. You know, and Nick, for offense, he had eight audibles he could call. You know, and it was his it was his range. You know, because he knew the system, he knew what the defense was going to do, and he could change the play if he needed to. Uh, We're gonna. We're going to take a quick break here and be right back with the coaching staff to finish it up. we got a little bit more to talk about, so y'all stay tuned, please. Santa Claus coming to town is only a short time away, and the Mercedes-Benz annual winter sales event is happening now until December 31st at Mercedes-Benz of South Mississippi. Stop by and see Stephen Fernie at 11619 Bobby Elaturius Boulevard in D'Iberville or give him a call at 228-265-9903 or 228-324-3205. And remember, when you buy from Fernie, you're buying from a warrior. We're back here with the uh, coaching staff here, Coach Whitehead, Coach German, Coach Williams, and Coach Talley. Uh, we were just talking about it, guys. Uh, 2002, first year that the spear, the current spear, was brought onto the helmets. Uh, somebody want to, one of y'all want to join in and, and give me a background story on that, on how it started, what made y'all change it, and that sort of thing. Coach Daly, that was party, partly you. Yeah, I was doing some of that professional de- development. I think I was in a, a Microsoft Excel class or something and was tinkering. Um, just online at the time and figuring out how to change colors and that and we had talked about you know if we ever change the helmet decal kind of thing so I got to tinkering with the Florida State Spear and was able to change colors and insert colors and uh, present it to you know to the guys hey what y'all think about this you know and then we got a mock-up of it and everybody liked it looked good I mean I like that you know I'm a I like Florida State so I'm gonna say yeah let's go so but I mean I like the fact that it changed and I mean I don't know at the time we may have heard backlash from the you know the older crowd but I didn't I didn't I didn't see or hear a whole lot of it well it was hard to put on the helmet I can tell you that yeah, line them up. The, the circular thing. I right. Was, the, yeah. The red skin was a little bit easier to stick on the helmet than the spear. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like the change. Uh, you said the kids the kids bought into it real easy. It didn't take a whole lot on that end? No. You know, and the thing that helped, you know, was winning. When You know, when you win, you hear less grumbling. Oh, yeah. that I, I totally agree with that. But – uh Let's uh let's shift gears a little bit and uh let's go right on down the table. Um, how special was the 2002 season to you personally and professionally both um, compared to all these other years that you've coached? Um I think and we've said on the we've hit on the theme over and over. I think that group was probably the closest group of kids, uh, family 
wise. Um, I'm still in touch with a bunch of them. Um, still, you know, stay in contact with them. And, you know, they just had this, this bond. They were a special group, and I don't think I've seen a group like this since because, and I think everyone in here probably had them in class at some point. And I always laughed at them, but it was part of their bond with them. Every time those son of a guns put their name on a paper, they always put their jersey number on it. Hockaday always had a number 10. Darren always signed 24, you know. And it, that was a little bit about their, their specialness. And we just have a bond with them. You know, we used to play before games or after Thursday practice. Coach Williams and I would sit in the weight room, and we'd, we'd play uh, cards with cotton and sea rides. We'd play spade games back and forth. You know, it just became a ritual. And, um, you know, I, we still talk about playing spades with them when I see them, see the cottons. And, you know, oldest cotton, Curtis Cotton Jr., you know, loves to play chess, always wants, you know, wants to play chess with me. So you just had that bond of, of family with them. I want to say that I could be wrong, and y'all correct me, because I am getting kind of old and can't remember things very well sometimes. But I, am, am I wrong? Wasn't their motto, Band of Brothers? I mean, I think I remember hearing that a lot. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was one of the – terms that they used a lot at the at the time and and another thing I mean when you stop and think about it there were 27 seniors that had been playing together since ninth grade so I mean it was you know that with that group of seniors it was just it was just a real special group you know and I, I tell you to go back to uh you know that year you know we went up there that Friday night you know, and a lot of, like you talked about, the spear and the old crowd. You know, the old crowd was telling us, oh, no, don't go up there the night before. But we went up there the night before, and I remember Coach Whitehead um, telling them, don't look. I think it was Wayne County and somebody. He said, don't look at them celebrate. Look at them that lost. You know, it's like, whoo, I don't want to feel like that. You know, I remember that. You know, but like they said, I still got, you know, Cotton's number, Nick's number, you know, Hockaday's number. I still text them all the time, you know, and that's – Yeah, same here. I'm still in touch with a lot of them. You know, and you figure we've been all been coaching 20 years, and from them 20 years I may have two other players' numbers. All right, for me personally, you was asking how this had affected us, you know, Obviously, me going on and eventually becoming a head football coach because at the time I was a head baseball coach. So, I think, you know, being the D.C., having the, the I guess, the credibility of, of being a state championship team, I, you know, I think that eventually led me to, to becoming a head football coach. And, you know, when you go into interview or you, or you talk somewhere and, you know, me going to St. Martin, it wasn't my first job offer. And I think it all stems from, you know, that, that, this season. Um, you know, it obviously lives with you the rest of your life. And, uh, you know, talking, uh, going back to Coach Smith's, you know, funeral and seeing all the, the stuff about the state championship that year and all that, you know, it, it's, uh, it was heartbreaking, you know, there, but he's not with us anymore. But, you know, I, it had a big effect on my life and my family's life. Right. And, you know, we, we all coach with, Lewis, and so we all knew Sean from when he was in elementary school. 
you know. And I remember when uh, Lewis got the job, we were in Jackson at a powerlifting meet, you know, and Sean was part of that powerlifting team. And Lewis and I was in the room together, you know. And like I said, Lewis coached me when I was in junior high, you know, and going to his funeral, you know, a whole lot of kids from that team showed up. Yeah, I want to wrap back around. We'll we'll come back. I want to I want to end it. Uh, you know, give a little bit of talk about Coach Smith. But you brought up about going up on Friday evening. Let's go back to one of the thing other things that the team decided. I remember them talking about the reason. One of the reasons we lost at South Pike was because they took charter buses and they said they got too comfortable. I remember hearing that. Well. Every away game that year was on a cheese wagon, and especially the one going to Jackson. Uh, how how often did that get talked about with the kids? Did that is that something where they knew where they were going and they said, "Hey, we want to go on the yellow the yellow buses. We don't want charters." Yeah, they, that was them the whole time. It, so we never even had to think about who's going to pay for a charter because that was that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the one I remember talking to him about, is, uh, of course, he came to visit us a little bit ago, Jason Hockaday. That's one I'm that I remember talking about with it. But, you know, that's a that's a special uh, – that's a little quirk that people might not realize at the time that brings up. But uh, let's let's go what, – Coach Wadey, we'll start with you. Let's go down uh, – just relay to everybody what you're up to nowadays – and what you've been up to in the last 20 years on your end, job-wise. All right. I'm going to go back to the bus right quick. It, uh, I don't know how much it had to do with it, but I don't think there was any doubt when we went to Jackson that they were, we were going to win a state championship. And there was people that said you couldn't win it, you know, you got to be there a few years or whatever. But I, I don't think the kids had any doubt whatsoever that we were going to win that ball. You know, they knew we were coming home with a championship. And, you know, and that's another thing that made it so – so special but uh me personally just retired from you know this past year from being head football coach for the last 11 years at st martin and i uh, took a job at st james elementary on uh Calvin lorraine road and i have pre-k three yep three-year-olds to sixth grade that i have pe with and it's a great job and i love the kids and i love being you know it's a great school and get to draw a little bit of public school retirement and draw some private school money so shout out purse yes sir so that's uh, it living coach a dream has, living coach a dream has lost some weight chasing them little ones around no doubt I, you know but i love it i said you know we're all still here 20 years later all involved in some phase so that's it's pretty good coach garman what about you i am now assistant principal at st martin high school but uh you know, after Diavel, I went over to Biloxi for a year and then helped open up West Harrison. You know, we went zero wins, three wins, and five wins in them first three years. And, you know, and then I transferred back to Diaverville. You know, but it's been good, but I got out of coaching, you know, and now I got season tickets to LSU and follow them everywhere they go, even with Brian Kelly now. Coach Waves, what about you? Give them an update. When I left Diaberville in 08, I went to West Harrison for a few years, and I retired from public school in 2012. Went to work for a construction company that was owned by one of our 
former players for about six years, and then I decided I was missing coaching, and I just uh, made a choice to uh, get back into coaching, and I've been at St. Patrick for the past five years coaching there just about pretty much everything, football, baseball, softball, basketball. I've been done a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of the Arborville parents that played or went to school here that, that you see nowadays. Yeah, I have some. Handler's one I have some of them. I have several former players' kids going to St. Patrick now. Yeah, so Coach Talley. Well, this is my 11th year um, at St. Martin. Um, went over there with Coach Whitehead um, after his first year. Um, been over there doing football, still doing football. Um, started the bowling team over there, started the archery team over there. 2017, you know, the bowling won the state championship, archery ran runner-up. Um, so enjoying it still. You know, it's still a joy to get up in the morning. So uh, I'm going to keep on doing it, I guess, until the wife tells me no. He's got a good administration team. That's why he stays Outstanding over there. That's why stayed for so long. Outstanding, I'll tell you. And now I moved out of the classroom as far as history was because that's what I did for so long. Um, past six, I've been doing driver's ed, so risking my life daily for y'all. Well, I just want to bring up, uh, to, to close it out, I want to bring up my driver's ed teacher. So my driver's ed teacher was Coach Lewis Smith. And uh, – the story I always tell at uh, every time I could talk about it is it was spring semester at school. I had him as a driver's ed teacher, and obviously it was not during football season, so any chance he could, he would have us drive somewhere near the water so he could see how the water was, whether he was going fishing after school or not. I specifically remember driving to the causeway in Biloxi, uh, just so he can check the water, see whether he was going after school or not. And uh, But, you know, y'all were around Coach Smith for a long time. Uh, let's just end it. I would like y'all to say a few good words, a good, maybe a good story or two about Coach Smith. Uh, we all miss him. And, uh, you know, I want to dedicate this episode in particular to Coach Lewis Smith. Uh, he coached me in ninth grade. You know, uh, he, he was always – you always had a good time talking to Coach Smith. You know, he had that that accent, particular accent that you would hear. And uh, he's just just a great guy. Start with you, Coach Whitehead. Uh, well, I want to jump in because Coach Smith was my driver's ed teacher too, and that's back when he was courting uh, Charlotte. And so we always went over there to Biloxi during driver's ed. I, uh, before I get off to Coach Smith, I want to mention Coach Mars when I text him today and to ask him his memories. And, uh, you know, he, he was uh, – he said about a uh, state championship game, I think, he, you know, after us other adults left out the room, he gave the kids a, a pregame speech that, you know, probably couldn't get mentioned on air. But got the kids fired up and he remembered, uh, you know, Robbie Ellis especially. And then on the kickoff, Robbie probably hit a guy – Harder than I'd have ever seen anybody hit. His helmet went flying. The chin strap went flying the other direction. And I think it really set the tone uh, for the game. And, and we knew we were there to, uh, to take I'm care glad, of business. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was definitely – that set the tone for the game. And I think, believe it or not, I think we as coaches and even the players on the sideline knew where this game was fixing to go. Yeah, now Coach Marlin gave that speech – you know, a speech like that before every game. And the first one I saw him give, you know, 
he popped a kid in the chest, and I was like, oh, my God. You know, but the kids enjoyed that, you know, got fired up, and he did receivers for me, you know, and he was great to have on the sideline. I made sure I left out before those got started. <laughs> uh, but Coach Smith, uh, you know, I came down here to D'Irville in uh, 1992, and uh, I got to coach under uh, Coach Smith. He was a head ninth grade, and I was assistant. And uh, Then we went with him and Charlotte. Uh, I think they were married, but she was still in Jackson, I think. And uh, so me and Lewis got an apartment together, so we lived together a few months. And, you know, anytime you hung out with Coach Smith, I mean, you couldn't help but laugh because he's going to tell you a story that, you know, just cracks you up and, you know, just riding around with him in his truck, talking and, and him nodding that head back and forth. And, you know, he was just a one-of-a-kind person, down-to-earth, uh, you know, really special guy. And, uh, you know, I hate these last few years that we haven't gotten together. You know, time flies by and, you know, you don't see people and you don't get together and, you know, then then it's too late. And, you know, but love Coach Smith. Love the time I spent with him. Yeah, it was great with Coach Smith. Like I said, you know, he was my driver's ed teacher and then coached with him. And, uh, you know, I had started with Coach Williams, you know, in the junior high and then they – move people around and I went up to the ninth grade staff with him and then he and I went up there but I had known him whenever he was coaching my brother you know how they coaches get with some of those booster parents after a while you know my dad was one of those guys that so coach Smith was always at the house and you know like I said he used to rock in that chair you know and I said boy let me tell you you know because like you said with that twang that he had you know, there's no no other guy better than Coach Smith. You know, he's a great guy. I'm sitting here thinking about some of the times that we had up at the coaching clinic. You never knew what Lewis was going to do next when we were up there. So he, he kept us entertained, that's that's for sure. Um, but we I know we all miss Lewis. I came also came to Diabville in 92 when Eddie Wayne did. And um, – we had worked together for so long, and it's a testament, just like the kids, the, the, the bond that these kids had, the five of us have always had that bond, and we've always kept in touch with each other and still do to this day, and it's it's just been really special. I can't tell you how much we miss Lewis and wish he was here, but he, uh, he was a big part of us, big reason for us all being here where we are now, and we appreciate that. Coach Smith. Well, I came in 94 and started with junior high, you know, the usual route. Um, Coach Smith, I tell you, I mean, you can't do anything but smile and laugh when you think about the stories. Um, there's so many we could tell. It's going to be a whole other book or a whole other podcast by itself. But uh, he, uh, he got me actually hooked on bass fishing because he would go every Thursday, that little fruit jar tournament and go at Gulfport, and I became his, his partner with him in that you know, and really got me into it, and the stories he would tell, you know, whether it was throwing his paycheck out with a bag of fried chicken going down the road, or, yeah, he's, gosh, great man, greatly missed. I've always worried that he was going to be rocking in his chair in the office with those scissors as he was scratching his ear. I thought for sure one day he was going to put the scissors through his ear, but, ah, uh, love him. He's missed. Yeah, he's he's definitely missed, uh, you know, Miss Charlotte, the the... 
I would, of course, like I said, coach coached me. He was he was my head coach in ninth grade, along with Coach Whitehead, and uh, he is my driver's ed teacher. But he also, Miss Charlotte worked with South Central Bell, so they had that connection with my dad. So it was like just that little bit of circle I had with them too. And uh, you know, he, he's missed every day. And uh, you know, between 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 Coach Smith, between my dad. Uh, between Mr. Teddy Harder and Mr. Jack Ewan, there's just there's a little bit of Dyerville that just isn't here anymore. And, uh, you know, I just say our prayers to those families and uh, well wishes to all of them. And I've known all of you a long time. appreciate seeing y'all whenever I see y'all. And uh, thank y'all for doing this. Uh, hopefully I'll do it a little bit of justice on my end. Coach Whitehead, want to add in something? I was just going to add in uh, Mr. Ricky Picard. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Ricky Picard. Told know, I, I was looking at one of the pictures we had and all the ghost guys on the sidelines doing the change. And the ones that aren't with us, you know, aren't here with us anymore. Well, Jeremy, we, we really want to appreciate you for putting this together and, and, and doing something for this uh, group of young men and ourselves. It's it's brought back a lot of memories, and we really appreciate it. You know, I hate I hate that they weren't able to do anything during the football season. You know, like Coach said, it just things just start rolling, and and you know, it just it fell to the. By the time they realized it or thought about it, it, was too late at that point. So, you know, I made the comment and uh, I made a comment and said that you know we'll just have to do something big in twenty five. So. And in, in five years from now, y'all just be ready. If I got to spearhead that too, I'm all in. So uh, appreciate y'all's time. Thank y'all for coming to join me. Uh, you know, we got some more interviews going to be coming to you with the. I got a handful of players. I don't know who all is coming quite yet. Uh, we're still working on that, but just stay tuned. And uh, we got some more coming to you here. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. I appreciate you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Neolife Physical Therapy and Wellness's mission is to treat pain and improve people's functional ability in order to improve their quality of life. As an organization, we want to be a model as of what primary health care and physical therapy looks like, and we want to provide the highest level of evidence-supported techniques possible in order to live more productive and pain-free lives. We are creatures of movement. We live in a physical world, so it's important for us to address our problems with the physical means such as physical therapy. To learn more about us and how we can help, visit our website at www.neolifeept.com or call 228-280-8120. It feels good to feel good. Welcome back to the Talking Ball Y'all podcast here. Uh, Dyerville Warriors 20th anniversary, 2002 state champions special episode here uh i've got a few of the players in house here with me uh tommy c wright robbie ellis jason hockaday matt carr carlton cotton nick ladner darren mccaleb and sean merrill so uh we're gonna we're gonna start it out lightly I'm, i mean i've been getting a kick out of listening to all y'all reminisce and talk about things like it was yesterday when it was 20 years ago so i'm reading this quote that was in the sun herald and uh I'll go with you, Cotton. You, you can answer this first one. Uh, the quote is, take the R, O, and Robbie, and they call me Hawk, so we call ourselves the Rock, and you can't crack that wall. Can't crack that rock. Who 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 said that quote? The backers. 
the backers. That would be Jason Hockaday referring to himself and uh, Robbie Ellis. So just a light little moment to go with. Uh, I'm going to start with the man here to my left, uh, tailback Carlton Cotton. Over 2,100 yards that season. Had a 235-yard, I believe, and three touchdowns uh, in the state championship game. Uh, what does that team in 2002 mean to you? And what do you look at as a special moment in that season for you and for this team? First thing is how much time do I have? Uh, a couple minutes. I'll keep it brief. One like no other. Um, true brotherhood is the epitome of what you will call uh, being together, playing together, and playing for one another. Yeah, I'm going to jump into what uh, I talked about with a few of the coaches the other night, and uh, they made a comment and said that, you know, and I saw the theme coming up in the videos I was watching. Uh, Y'all are like a family. But I also saw the the term band of brothers being thrown out. Does anyone remember that term being kicked around? Hockaday, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. It's uh, I feel like we were a complete family. Um, and it didn't just start our senior year. It started a long time ago. Um, we're, we're sitting here having the 20-year anniversary, and it still feels like we're a family sitting here around this table. Um, it's kind of started when we were in the seventh grade. Um, we competed against each other, you know, in peewee ball, but we didn't have any dreams or aspirations of winning a state championship. But we get into this team, the Diablo Warriors junior high football team in the seventh grade, and we ended up winning a few games here and there, and we were like, Hey, we're pretty good, right? And then, then we kind of leaned on each other that next year um, where they separated the schools and they had North Walmart that opened up and D'Aberville Middle School still had a school and we had some of our players get separated and we, we knew the other players and it was fun to play that game. I think they lost every game, unfortunately. Um, and then we won every game that eighth grade year. And those guys, when, they, when we joined back up in the – in the ninth grade, it felt like we had never missed a day. Um, felt like we weren't separated at all, and it was just a, a true team bond. And we ended up winning every game our freshman year also. That carried over into our high school years, and uh, the, the band of brothers that you're talking about, I think, started in the seventh grade. And we kind of had dreams and aspirations after that year that we were gonna try to win it all. It was a really neat, um, bond that we shared and we all had the same dream and the same vision of what our team and our our family could accomplish. Does, does any of y'all around the table realize what y'all's record was your three years in varsity? Off the top of your head? Thirty, 32-7. and 32-7. Right. Uh, y'all played a total of 10 playoff games. It's Pretty uh, pretty crazy number. You don't see that a whole lot. Uh, eight and two playoff record. Obviously, the loss sophomore was at Brookhaven, Macomb at Macomb. Macomb. And then, obviously, South Pike. And then I will I will add that Macomb shut everybody out in the playoffs except us. We scored the first touchdown on them in the playoffs. Well. I don't know if this is going to make y'all feel any better, but Macomb, South Pike, Pike County. The Arville teams have only beat 
one one of those two teams one time. Macomb. Macomb, we beat Macomb in one point. I think it's been in the last 12 years or so, but South Pike, the Iroville history is 0-5 versus South Pike. So I know I lost to them my junior year. They came to this field and beat, beat the mess out of us. So, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. Talk about it. No, I was just thinking about that. It was it was our sophomore year, one of the losses that we had. Um, I remember that that year that game we were playing against Stone County because cause Stone County had a big running back from Kevin Johnson. And he was he was a grown man, and and they even made like a P, like every like I don't remember if their kicker got hurt, but they made like a PT like a P, uh, like a, a PAT all all game all year, and they come out. And beat us with like a he towed a forty yarder to beat us. I, <laughs> I was I was I remember like him doing it, going like man, like you can't even be mad at that dude. That's pretty awesome. Now that was a, that was a big game for Sean because uh, um, it was our first district game, but they had this center that was a big name in Stone County, and he's still a big name in Stone County. Brad Calcote was the center for. Um, Stone County and usually the center doesn't pull like a pulling guard well they were good enough and he was good enough to where he could pull and Sean had this task on his hand to stop the trap stop anytime they pulled him and Brad Calcutt would meet at that edge and it would just be man on man and it was a sophomore I think Brad's a little older than us right so he was Sean was a sophomore matching up against the senior every time he pulled and it was a stone wall just about every time so uh that was a big game for him, and I, that's why he remembers that game very vividly. I remember that game. That's not what I remember about it. That's weird. I remember it now. Yeah. I remember it. That was my first official start. I, that's when I took over for Cole Franks officially because they were still using him a little bit there. And then I remember I was telling them earlier, I remember crying in the bathroom stall until the point where I was vomiting after that loss. I was so upset because it was my first start, so I felt like it was like that was – you had ownership. Like, yeah, you had, had ownership, ownership in that game. Yeah. He's not bad. Remember, he got hurt our sophomore year, and I had to start kicking. Junior. Oh, junior. Yeah. I had to kick. Hey. So, Darren Matt, breaks his ankle. Hold on. This is Matt Carr. This is Matt Carr right now. Was it uh, Harrison Central broke, broke your ankle first game our junior year? Yeah. Um, we'd come out. Play. Yeah, it kind of was. He dove at it. And caught that plant let me, ankle. Let me cut you off. He wound up walking on at Southern and playing for us. Too. Yeah, I remember you. All right, go ahead. My bad. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we come back in Monday, our first practice. Darren can't kick. We had no backup option really. We get out. Yeah, we had an open tryout for kickers, and Merrill, of course, is the first one out there. I'm ready to go. I got it, I coach. It was I got kick. it. He said I can kick. Tally looks at him, coach. Special teams. <laughs> He's like, Sean, are you serious? All right, we're gonna give you a shot. Sean takes his lead, takes his kick. Misses the ball, hits about seven yards. Tally's like, all right, you're done. You're done. Another kicker. Who else we got? Sean begs one more time, coach, one more time. From the kickoff, he kicks it through the back of the end zone the second time. And I really think that ended those tryouts. Carlton might have put his square toe on and he didn't even get to use it. <laughs> hey, Carlton, seventh, eighth grade, and ninth grade, those two kicked off. I didn't even kick off. I, 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 I was little back then. Carlton, can you, can you confirm the square toe? No, yes or no? Touchbacks. They did yeah, put the square did. toe on me. They did. Classic square toe. 
Uh, so funny, funny story about Carlton is that when Matt was talking about him kicking in junior high and Darren, because Darren didn't kick off in junior high because Carlton had a, I guess he had a stronger leg. Darren was a scrawny dude in junior high now. Uh, he was accurate, but he didn't have any power behind his leg. Well, Carlton ran faster than anybody on the team, and he would kick the ball off. It would land about the five-yard line, and he'd be the first one down and make the tackle. Run by all the blockers, all ten other blockers, make the tackle, and we're standing there about ten yards behind him trying to race down to get there. We didn't even have to run down. We just let Carlton kick it, run down, and, and tackle him. And this was every kickoff, if it didn't go in the end zone. Yeah. So, Mr. McCaleb, uh, senior season, I got the stats here. Let me get it pulled up on my phone. 16 out of 22 on field goals. You remember what your long was that season? I have no clue. 49 yards on the season. Uh, 53 of 54 on the PATs. Which which game was your missed PAT? My last kick as a Diver Warrior. Uh, I, was, I had my shoulder pads off on the sideline, and all of a sudden, Mr. Carlton Cotton wants to bust a 60-yarder for a touchdown, and I didn't. Running up down on the time clock, I'm trying to put my pass back. Te I'm crying. Tears in his I'm eyes. I'm crying. I'm how could I? We just did this. We talked about this for like, you know, literally <clears throat> a long time, and we we knew we were special. Nick Ladner's throwing the ball 50 yards when we were 13 years old. Like, we 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 were we were awesome. Like, the Avril, the Saints were good. The Bears were good. We'll market. We ran the spread. <clears throat> I know I'm getting off the subject of kicking right oh, now, but. I want to talk about my quarterback for a little bit. This dude is a real deal. Now, talking about Walmart, you're talking about the, the, the Pee Rams, Peewee football team, oh, the Rams. Tell me the Esau story. <laughs> Our first extra point, we try to line up. <clears throat> we're 13 years old. Nick's my holder. He wants to be the kicker, by the way. We're playing the, we're playing the Bears. We're playing the Diablo Bears. <laughs> Hockaday was on Jason that team. Hockaday, I was on that team. Jason Hockaday, Esau Smith. Well, in Peewee, they're not supposed to rush – the line. Esau comes busting through and kicks the ball the other way. Yes. And I just stand there and look at him. <laughs> Nick didn't want to be down there holding the ball anyway. He thought he should be kicking. But anyways, I'm getting off the story. <laughs> Let's go back to the state championship. I'm sorry. No, just talk about how, uh, you know, you were a key cog. I mean, place kicking, anything inside the 40. It's a guaranteed three points. Oh, uh, yeah. Speaking of that, I quit playing wide receiver because, hey, I will say, our OC was awesome. That's why we won our, our senior year. But he, every time we crossed the 50, he wouldn't put me back in no more. So I said, I, I quit going to practice and stayed on at the stadium and just kicked all the time. I quit going to wide receiver practice. You did have a, you did have a recept, TD reception that season, though, your senior year. Yeah, I didn't really care my senior year. I, I was – if we'd have ran that spread, my if we'd have ran that spread offense my junior year, out of we'd have crushed. Me and C Wright would have crushed, and Tommy Booth. But we well, just didn't throw the ball our junior year. We were actually a better squad that year. Well, pass the mic to your partner now. Side of you, I, I want to talk with uh, Nick, quarterback Nick Ladner, and wide receiver Tommy C Wright, defensive back. Um, the game, the the game winning touchdown against. George County to put y'all in state championship game. What's the play call? Obviously, Tommy catches it. I don't remember the yardage, but what was the play call? And confirmed it was the same play you beat George County on the previous season. Help, uh, help y'all help Nick out if he needs it. 
he made a comment and said he he he, he doesn't remember everything like everybody else. He's I, I, like, I do not. No, I, I can't know, blame I him on that. I know how those quarterbacks get uh, beat up. So, so we had we had got to the huddle and you know we were down. Uh, I don't know what nineteen seventeen thirteen wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. You know, the year before, same same idea with Tommy Booth uh, in Picayune. I think it was on the same side, too. Uh, had the idea when we got down there and we were within that yardage. I was like, this is the same play from the year before. So I came into the huddle, and I remember looking at Seawright and saying, hey, I'm going to look right. But at the beginning to throw the, the corner off, and I said, turn right as you're hitting the goal line, and I'm going to put it right in your chest. And that's, I mean, couldn't have been any better. So, No, because yeah. I want to, you know, I don't want to bring up the bad things, but Mr. Seawright, there was a play on the previous drive where you dropped that same play in the end zone, correct? Well, it was a uh, fade route. I really didn't know how well his arm strength was, man, and he threw that thing. He launched it. And I was like, oh, Lord, I got to turn the bar in the zone right now. But you got to talk about why you didn't realize yeah, his arm strength was there. A, he was he got knocked out. Yeah. I mean, we had just previous in that game, maybe the, his shoulder, right? Yeah. So early in the game, we, I ran the fade route. We probably hit him for a 50-yard 50, 50 pass early in the game. And I'm like, hey, coach, he can't hold me. We, we can do this all night. Whenever you ready, we ready. And so when Nick came back, I was kind of like, ah, is he going to underthrow it or whatever? But he launched, and I kind of dove for it. Yeah. I, I should have caught him, and I had the guy beat. But I dropped it. Uh, and it was like a big play, like third and something, if I ain't mistaken. But yeah, of course. leading up to that last play, we was in the wrong formation. I don't know if y'all remember that. We had to call a timeout, all right, to get back in the right formation. Yeah. We supposed to be in, we supposed to be in trips left. I mean, trips right. We in trips left. And I'm like, whoa, I'm by myself. I need all y'all dummies over there, right? Go on that side. So, so we call the timeout to get in the right formation. And so in that huddle, everybody like, why did you catch the ball and start running? Because in that huddle, German looks at me and says, you better catch this effing ball. <laughs> I said, sir, we got it. Trust me. We're, we're good. I promise you, we're good. And I'm so, – and- you know, it happened. And like I said, I told y'all I remember I remember bits yeah, yeah. I remember a few bits and pieces from that season, the season prior, and me watching from afar, you know, I recognize that that was the same play from the previous year against the it's pretty eerie how it's the same play against the same team to beat the same team. You know, just on different ends of the field. But uh we're going to go st- stick to that game. This will be along with you, Mr. Cotton, as well. Uh, somebody had laid, gave me a note about German's fourth and eight call, 46 lead earlier there. Was that the same drive or was that the previous drive that play call was? Yeah. It was the same drive. And we actually thought the it – run that uh, they were talking about, you went backwards? Yeah, I got hit initial uh, – Initial got hit at the line, and I bounced off and got through. But we thought it was third and eight. And come to find out, it was fourth and eight. And, and, we, and we got the uh, – I mean, we ended up getting uh, – moving the chains. But, 
we we missed we missed the play that we and we came to her thinking it was third and eight, and after it happened, it was like that was fourth down. Do y'all know that was fourth down? And we ended up getting it, but that was the game winning drive. Man, look, don't make me think about that because I don't know what would happen if we wouldn't have won at all. But well, let's go to let's go to the defensive side. Sean, Robbie, Jason, that drive. Prior to the game winning drive, the fourth down, we didn't make the first down. And then y'all y'all have to hold them. I remember that kind of, uh, pretty vividly. Actually, I remember Tommy Seawright um, coming to the huddle going, all we got to do is hold them just three and out. Like, well, three and out, just give, get us back on the field. And I remember going, because I remember when we got stopped, um, I remember like feeling a little bit defeated. And that my first time, you know, that uh, that season outside of the first game of the year, but just feeling a little defeated. And then I remember him coming out saying that, and there was just like this little spark of hope, you know. And I, we went out there. Hell, I think I think we had like – we made like the first we, – we like beat the brakes of the three and out. I'm quick. Like we just – I think I'm, the first play, I, I, they tried to run some kind of run, and I hit him in the backfield for TFL. And then I think – was that the – did we get a sack so, on that So, drive? so the, the issue was we, we had gone for it on like fourth and fourth and goal in front, and, and we got tackled at the three. So it was like a loss on the play, but it was still at the three. So the other opposing coach, Al Jones was the opposing coach. And I've talked to him after this post like the worst years set of calls this. I've ever seen. So, so they got Anthony P. Ryan at, at quarterback and the guy's very athletic and he can just and drop back jump and in. they can move around all over the place. Well, they ended up running a quarterback sneak on like play one. So we stopped him for like a no game. Cause we had some big, we had Josh Ladner and, and, and Del Leonard McMurray, Leonard McMurray in the middle there. I mean, some big guys that were going to stop anything up the middle and they did their job. Me and Robbie were right there and we were right there. This, this thing happened right there in front of us and we stopped them for no game once. And I think they handed it off the second play. And, and Sean stopped him on play two for no game. And then the last one, me and Sean got in controversy because I got a sack and Sean yeah. kind of got in on it a little bit. Yeah. And I think they even gave him Robbie's, a sack. Well, who's Robbie, counting sacks Robbie here? I counted, we counted everything, bro. <laughs> I think we, there was a lot of competition. <laughs> you know, I think there was a lot we of competition. There yeah. was a lot of competition time, between. Got? I got eight. I got six. I got who six. Led, I got who six. led the team in sacks that year? That's, well, a, that's, a, that's a controversial issue. <laughs> I had to ask that. I was asked. I think that's a funny discrepancy, and we all love to talk about it. What's the stat? It's a discrepancy, but I'll give Delmas the one. I think what I saw showed Delmas at 21 and Sean at 17. Legalist to say, we had some ridiculous defensive ends. No, I remember I was one behind Delmas. I was 20 at 20 by the end. The question about that drive we're talking about, though, going back to it. So. Do you think do you think George County basically screwed up because they took the ball out of P Ryan's hands? I think oh, they played yeah. it safe. Uh, I think they played it safe. And I think it's hard to make all a decision they had to, do is get to a first play down. It unsafe. You know what I mean? If he rolls out and we sack him in the end zone and get the two point and get the ball back, like it's all it's a different game there. But they played it safe. They they uh, quarterback sneaked to get it out of the end zone. But we stopped them. So they handed it off and we stopped them. They handed it off again. Or maybe they rolled out and they stepped. Anyways, three plays, we got the ball back. What um, no one but really. I, I do, like you said, you felt a little bit defeated. Like it was a scary situation for us. I but I knew that I had to lay it on the line to be able to stop 
whatever they threw at us. Well, if they drop back and throw the ball, like I don't know if my mindset was there for a pass. It's just like I was ready to stop anything they ran at us. It's just like Sean said. I mean, other than game one of that season, y'all really were not in that position. Specifically with the season on the line in that position. So, you know, that was a tough a little more than a season for us. That was a tough moment all the way around for the defense and the offense, you know, well, being no, in the position. Well, no one really understands, and this is we used to get in fights in the locker room back in college over this, is that if Nick doesn't get hurt, that game is not even close. We blow Look, him out about three or four about touchdowns. A backup quarterback here who you broke your hand gets a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you were the backup. So, owner, like I said earlier, the backup I, head coach. I, we, we could not. I could throw it, but it, I don't know where it was going. Oh, yeah. It was a little inaccurate. <laughs> so, it like you threw it with your left yeah. hand at one play. Well, I me, tried to throw the ball downfield one let me time, ask and Nick it didn't question. work out very well. Y'all hey, bringing up the injury. Let me ask Nick this question. Uh, in the in the I've been told that in the fourth quarter, Coach Smith, first of all, went into the locker room and threw up. First of all, during the fourth quarter, but then I also I also know that I believe he can't. He walked up to you, Nick, and said, uh, "You don't come back into the game. We're not going to win." Do you remember? Do you recall that? I will say the second smartest guy in here don't remember anything about the season. This is our quarterback. <laughs> Smartest me and Robbie Ellis. So, uh, <laughs> we were using the bathroom in the urinal. <laughs> and he walks in, and I'm using the bathroom, and uh, I'm just sitting there with – I think I had a sweater on, and he comes in, and he looks over at me. He goes, we – you know – we worked long and hard, but it uh, looks like we're going to be a little short. And uh, so I came back out, and from earlier, I had my arm was numb from where it, uh, I felt like it went past my head when the guy hit me. And so I just started warming up again, and it felt good enough to go. So the rest is, I guess, history. So that's well, what it was. You know how I feel about the quarterback position, obviously. Uh, I remember you against uh, – my favorite game that I've ever seen as a fan was when you beat East Central. You're trying to make me blush over here. No, I'm dead ass serious. I, I really remember – as a kid, I sat in the stands with my grandpa, my mom, and my family, and I watched us beat East Central at home. By, we had to beat them by two points. We, we beat, beat them two years. We be, had to beat them two a, years straight the, in junior and senior year at their at their place. And they the had, district. That was one of the coolest nights. I've was ever, that when they had Chad Huff? Was Chad Huff was our sophomore year, and they destroyed everybody. Okay. But this would have been our junior year and senior yep. senior year. Yeah, we yeah, won yeah. at Nick East Harville, Central. Nick Harville, that was senior year. The one uh, you're talking. Uh, Bowen. Mm -hmm. Y'all had a lot of talent on yeah, that team. Was Sean's brother on that team? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You played with Tony Turner, huh? Yes. Tony Turner, Nick Carvel. Right up y'all are right up my alley. But uh oh, we were there we were there. This is the reason we won. There's a reason we, we have up. a lot of passion it's, and yeah, wanted to exceed 
the John, expectations yeah, of everyone. We were all that. We were all half of your game, and then Marcus Reese in the stadium. Mark too. Holmes. Uh, I mean, uh, da- Chris Daniels. I mean, I remember uh, Keith Broussard. Was it Keith Broussard? Keith. Uh, Keith. Uh, you know what I'm talking about the fullback. Keith Mans. Keith, so the way Keith Sean Mans. is passionate about. Watching y'all is kind of how I developed my passion for Warrior football and having these conversations with Sean. Yeah. And it made it a whole lot more special knowing the history mm-hmm. behind our school and not just stepping into a, a game, right? I'm, like I'm it, the, it meant more to me, me knowing the stories that he used to tell I me about exactly y'all. I know exactly what you're referring to because mine, mine revolves around the uh, 87, 88 years. You know, I would have been 10 years old, 9, 10 years old. That was German's years, right? Fuji, Delahousie, and... Coach Singleton has only been ejected from a football game one time. Between the bricks. And that was between the bricks at Laurel in the playoffs. They ran the double pass back when you could throw two passes on one play, but they called a lineman downfield. And everybody under the sun showed film and there was no lineman downfield. Um, Coach Singleton got tossed out of that game. Coach Waits had to uh, assume control the rest of the game. But that was one of them old school type games where the game don't go your way. So what happens in the parking lot after the game? Uh, some fists start flying between fans. And this was at Laurel. It's just a whole – there could be a whole nother podcast episode just revolving around that game. And uh, – that '87 team uh, was like y'all said. That was the '80s. That was the team I remember watching. And uh, you know, you you learn to love Diarville football. It's the same as what I dealt with. Y'all dealt with the same thing. You know, I've always said it's a special place, and it's a specifically a special place to play football on this field out here behind us. But. Uh, you grew up out here like I did. Let's 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 get away from that because y'all are gonna get me. Bro, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like passionate about this because I'm, I'm starting to tear up right now because of me just too. the thoughts and, and and the memories that are flowing back that I used to have of prior teams thinking, oh man, they were the greatest team ever. They were they were awesome. They were this. They were that. And then I wanted to exceed the expectations of what everybody had known. And I feel like if we played against some of those teams that came before us, I feel like it would have been a dog fight till the end. Even if their record didn't show that they were good, I felt like they were the best ever. You know, and it was just a special – it's a special it, place because of that with me. It felt special. It felt like there was – when you're a kid, it feels like there's 20,000 people in this, in this place because the average always just you – know, football means a lot here. So it's always packed. And most of the time, there's more people on the road than they do have at home. You know, well, I feel like for us it was about I don't know why, but I feel like relevance was like being young. When you think about being relevant, how can how are we going to be remembered amongst all this stuff? And we heard stories, and me and Hawk playing linebacker, we were competing with the stat sheet. So it was Marcus Reese and Dustin Dottillo and Eric Fournier and these cats that came before. And I remember hearing them stories about. You know, Eric Fournier and some of the stuff he was doing and Dustin Tillo and this hit he had and Marcus Reese. And, and, and I just remember, like, I, the only way that we have a chance to get remembered is we have to do just something that's never been done. And then also, me personally being relevant, like, I was chasing stats. And I knew that, like, I wanted to be immortalized on the stat sheet because Marcus Reese, when I saw them, 160 – tackles and also realizing he was playing tailback a 
the same time, <laughs> um, which is in, like unbelievable. But I don't, I, I don't even know if I've ever even met Marcus Reese in person. But it's like he affected me so much without having to even, you know, because I felt like they were, we felt like they were legends. And that's yeah. just the traditional culture. Of the I want to ask you, Jeremy, is Marcus Reese the best player you've ever seen at the Iowa Warriors Stadium? He's, uh, I, I, unfortunately, he's, I'd have to say no. Um, he's up there. He well, is up Reggie, there. He Reggie, is up there because, sure of, the, because of the fact that Mar he, Marcus Reese was just a, uh, I mean, point blank, he was just a dog. I mean, he was a dog on the backfield and a dog on the – I mean, he was starting – he was a starting linebacker his sophomore season with us, you know, and he just continued to get him improve, improve. He was just a little bitty – a little dog that just – he just played hard. Every play, nose for the football, all that kind of stuff. I mean – I'm I'm not a comparison kind of guy, but I, I do want to go on record as saying one thing. Everybody wants to compare teams to this team, to that team, to that team. I'm not saying which one in particular loves to do it all the time. Y'all know who I'm talking about. But you can compare teams all you want, but there's only one team that has a state championship at this school in football. And we all know it was 2002. And uh, the, the comparison stops at that point. There probably were some other good teams. I mean, playoffs started in 81. Um, that 1970, I think it was 79 team, 78, 78 79, 79 Reggie team mm -hmm. with Reggie. The oh, defense yeah. only gave up 29 points the whole season, you know. So we grew up hearing these stories as children. Like my dad used to tell me, my dad went to, you know, like everybody's family is the names recycle and we're so lucky to have been born into a place to where we were have the opportunity to have like these legacies and and to be a part of this culture is such a blessing as adults looking back yeah we we did step up and we had a camaraderie and some maturity at a young age that allowed us to overcome extreme adversity and to stick together and to adapt to crazy situations and we had characters that played parts the poise that Nick demonstrated as a youngster is like crazy. The poise Carlton Cotton demonstrated as a uh, as a youngster. It, oh my God! And never complain one time. So so yeah. So so if we did, if we earn the spot, whatever we earned. Go ahead, see right. So so you gotta understand. And I gotta take it to I gotta take a little culturally, all right. Cause see, I've met Marcus Reese. All right, we grew up together. So, so, so when you talk about '98, so it ain't that many black players at the Abbey. All right, so Jerome Weathersby, I used to see him all the time growing up. Okay, Ray Morris Barnes. So, 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 and I, I gotta say this because it was Reggie a different. Callier. Correct, but it's a different chip on our shoulders at the Abbey because with that many black kids that played. All right. So when we took the field, we understood, hey man, the responsibility that you have, one, and two, you can't, you got, you got to play. So the boots of the world, the toy stations, myself, Carlton, Clarence, I always say this: if we had one more black kid, we would have messed it up. <laughs> and the reason why I say that because they would have gotten unselfish. Somebody would, somebody would have said, 
man, I ain't getting enough limelight. I ain't running the ball more. I ain't getting enough passes. Now, you got to understand, I was a part of that Keyshawn Williams, Keyshawn Johnson there. Throw me the ball. I wanted to. Hey, man, what are we doing? I don't want it to be blocking, but I'll block you, for my what brother. What you're saying is there if there would have been another you. If there would have been one more me, we might we might would have messed it all up. But but we were so unselfish is it, it, the is the key. I didn't mind blocking for Carlton. I didn't mind blocking for yeah. I didn't mind he didn't mind being so unselfish. So when your best players do that, you kind of you kind of fall in line, right? Because that's my brother. That's my man. I want to see him succeed just as much as I want to succeed. And even in basketball, like I think it was a whole sports type thing. Yeah, you don't know, but you know. So I, you know. here's one thing we got to highlight too. The 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 let's bring it into perspective. Merrill was probably one of the highest rated college recruits in the history of the school, um, not to mention this area. And his sophomore year, he got an offer from Mississippi State, and from there, it was just a trickle effect. So, there was a sense of, of the media and pressure surrounding him. And the thing is, if y'all know, y'all might know him today, but as a as a kid, he was the most humble creature that ever existed. He never ever acted like he was anything because of all that pressure and tension. And what it also did is it it brought some people and characters around us that kind of in a way built confidence, even if it was built off of false confidence. But, um, and there was a point in time where Sean being that way and even all the stuff he did, it pissed me off, like being in the back of the line during playoffs, like warming up and like just bull yeah, like, you know. Remember when or, I kicked the old lady in the stands? <laughs> <laughs> With the football, it was an yeah. accident. It was warming up with Stanislaus. Was a, but there's the last game something when you t- talk about you talk about the most highly touted in terms of the media and all this other stuff, and he's the most one of the most humble guys. You got Carlton Cotton, who's arguably, in my opinion, the best running back in the history of Diver football. And I'm not – Because he – because here's the thing people forget about Carlton Cotton is that um, he took that as when he went our junior year, when he played fullback, he never one time made any type of of, of it was 100 percent. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. In my opinion, he could have been there's he could have been splitting reps as a sophomore as and he could have literally been the starter as a as a junior, even though we had Tory State. And I promise you, and if he would have had those opportunities that Tory had. I'm telling you, you don't. People don't realize what what Carlton Cotton was as a running back, and when the kind of stats he could have put up in a career had he been getting an opportunity. Yeah. So him doing what he did as our senior year, we weren't surprised. No, we weren't surprised at all. No, but the thing is, you'll never hear that man ever, even at that age, uh, brag on himself or, yeah, always smiling. Look, I watched him squat uh, four hundred something pounds for reps with a smile on his face, like it was like he was like he was surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's my, like, God, oh my god, god this is great. You know, like let me just do this <laughs> ten times. Know? Yeah. Showed to the parties after with uh, like forty people in one truck <laughs> <laughs> that they hey, put together out of like know, four trucks. <laughs> I, y'all don't, y'all don't. Uh, <laughs> you know, my my ex. My experience, you know, our senior year, really my entire high school career was is, is a little different than, you know, uh, most people's because I lived with my dad, you know, who was ended up being our coach our senior year. 
But um, I've probably never told y'all this, um, but I remember specifically one day me and my dad was sitting at the house. Probably I was in college, um, and uh, and I was just talking, and I was like, who are your favorite two players that you ever coached? I said, was it me? He goes, <laughs> he was like, heck no. He's like, hell no. <laughs> and he actually said, he goes, the best two players I ever coached that showed up every day and never complained and worked hard every single day and, um, was, he said, was Carlton Cotton and Jared Landrum. He said, but he was like, them two boys every day. Yeah. Never said nothing. Yes, sir. Everything I had, every, yes, sir. And I, I always remember that. I don't know why I never told y'all that, but that's really, I, we were talking about that. I was like, dang, Dad. That's a great story, man. That's, that, that's awesome. Jason Jones. <laughs> You got, you got. That's hot. That's Hockaday in baseball season right there. He's getting every, every year in baseball season. He's getting number one. You know, Hockaday was the Hockaday was everybody's. You know, a golden child. I remember we was in Biloxi, in the Shrimp Bowl. Hockaday was on the sideline getting getting a glass of water, and they're calling his number out for tackles. I'm like, I looked at him like how. I said, I made two tackles. They gave it to somebody else. And now you on the sideline getting water. They're giving you tackles on the score. I don't even get it. How could they got 48 tackles? I only played two plays. I don't even know. I, Guys, we're, we're gonna I ta have, let's take a quick five-minute break. Uh, we'll be right back with you. We're going to finish this up. It's been a good time here with these guys reminiscing. Uh, just hang tight here. More of the talking ball, y'all, coming soon here. Santa Claus Coming to Town is only a short time away, and the Mercedes-Benz annual winter sales event is happening now until December 31st at Mercedes-Benz of South Mississippi. Stop by and see Stephen Fernie at 11619 Bobby Elaturius Boulevard in D'Iberville, or give him a call at 228-265-9903 or 228-324-3205. And remember, when you buy from Fernie, you're buying from a warrior. Welcome back to the Talking Ball, y'all here. The uh, 2002 state championship, the 20th anniversary. Uh, we're gonna start. We're gonna start going around the table here, giving you, you know, a little bit of insight on what how special this school football team is to you and. Let's also talk about what everybody's doing nowadays, okay? We're going to start out number 72, Matt Carr. Uh, lead us off here, would you? Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. Um, I, uh, I'm an environmental scientist for the state now. Uh, been there for quite a while, but I know you wanted to touch on a few other things. And I'll start by saying I don't feel like we hit on this enough, but going back to seventh grade, I mean, that's kind of where it started. You can say we lost our first game technically, but it wasn't even a, a full game. But we did not lose another game until, what, fifth one of sophomore year? Sophomore year, yeah. Won the last four or five seventh grade, undefeated eighth grade, undefeated ninth grade, and then into the tenth grade year until there was another loss there. So, I mean, that, that kind of built it from the ground up. It was already a winning mantra. Like, we understood you're going out there, you're going to win. And another thing on that, we'll break it back to senior year, that I don't feel like we, we integrated enough was this defense, just the defense alone. Zero 
touchdowns to running backs all year. Anybody else ever realize that? Not a single running back scored, ever. And this was in a time that there were – you're handing the ball off 35, 45 times a game. Not a single running back scored. Yeah, it was 95 points given up the entire season, 14 games by the defense, average of 6.8 a game. Only rushing touchdown was to the quarterback in Brookhaven in the third week of the playoffs. Correct, Jeremy. The the two rushing touchdowns that – That I don't know. We'd have to dig a little bit more on that. But that, that sounds like something that is not uh, particularly – you know, it's not something you hear a lot about. Put it that way. But what you were speaking on, the two rushing touchdowns that were given up were in the playoffs. They were two quarterbacks. Uh, Jimmy Johns, both D1 athletes who ended up at Alabama as a tailback or wide receiver. What did he finally play? He's a big, tall guy. He played at Alabama. Correct. And then P. Ryan, who played a wide receiver at Southern Miss, uh, Brookhaven and George County. And they were the same exact play, naked bootleg rollouts. And But it just goes to show how well-versed this defense was at stopping the run. I mean, I know because I, I kind of went against them for five years running the offense against them. Like, it was nonstop every play. We had no chance. I don't care if I was running the scout team offense or first team offense against starting defense. We – as an offensive line, had no chance to run the ball against our defense. It was kind of – it's kind of something I don't feel we hit on enough, especially with, with Merrill here, Hockaday, Robbie. Like, ask Sean, running practice every single day is a pulling guard having to hit Sean. Oh, man, that got old quick. That got old quick. <laughs> but Hockaday's laughing. It's the same thing with him. Like I, and I told Robbie this before, and I think Robbie got fired up off of it when I told him I've never had my bell rung every day in practice like I would against Hockaday. I was like, he weighs 185 pounds. I don't get it. Like, I would go to hit the linebacker. He put the crown of his helmet right there on me every time in the middle of my face, and it would just So, I know me. defense was important, right? So, we both had enough, you know, to play each side, right, 11 and 11. So, towards the end of the season, we had – I don't know if y'all remember this. I'm sure y'all like to forget about it, where the offense went against the defense. Do y'all remember that? Well, I know that we had to get a better – We started – we, we had so to – put the number ones on offense that were left. Right, yeah. right. And y'all couldn't stop us. But just, that's just bringing that back. I don't remember if y'all remember that. Uh, I, but, you know um, – but continue on, truck. I just had to – it just hit me. I don't remember a lot of things, but I do remember that. <laughs> Correct, Nick. No, no disrespect to the offense here. I was part of that. I'm, I'm just sorry. Saying, like, it's the CTE speaking of. It's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll forgive him. However, uh, I, I will diverge and go ahead and pass the mic because I feel like I covered my point on how well this defense actually was. Oh, oh yeah, of course, Robbie. You want me to keep talking. But well, Carr, just, just tell us, tell us how – Tell us overall, what does is, what is everything you have with this 2002 team mean to you with, with overall, with everything? I mean, overall, I think this has been hit on by everybody, but it was literally a, a family from seventh grade up. There, I don't see the camaraderie of, of teams nowadays like I did then. Um, I look back on this, and I've been asked by people, y'all didn't get in fights? Like during like your senior year, no, no, there was plenty of fights, Robbie. But it was like between teammates. Like we never really like everyone understood their role and understood what was going on. Correct. Like it was more, it was gone immediately, and you built off of that. Like I think I that's what I'm saying. Like no, we we all remember those little points, but we don't we don't take that to heart. It was all gone the next day. There's no angst. 
there's nothing built up. It's all about what's the next goal? Where are we going from this after that? So I just wanted to touch on that also. Robbie Ellis, your turn. Give us a little bit of it. Well, it's being around these guys and hearing uh, the things they have to say at this point in our lives is, is I can't lie to you, it's, it's really emotional. Um, there's, I guess there's an effect that, that when you look back and you reflect on things and then you also now having your own kids or your own businesses, your own lives, um, and you reflect and you think about how things change you or make you and you think about how every kid's just like clay, you know, and somehow, some way, collectively, we all had individual life experiences, different home lives, different backgrounds, but for some reason, we were lucky enough to be brought together. And uh, I was the emotional leader of the defense, maybe, maybe more than that, but I'm, you see how I operate, it's just, then it, this brings me back to that place of how much it matters and how much we all cared, man. This this group of people that we just cared so much. And um, and through our losses early, we were able to, to feel the hardship of the loss and share that with each other and uh, form bonds that were really unquestionably the strongest bonds that I have um, in my life. And uh, the hard part is it almost sets you up to where nothing can really match up to it afterwards. And there's an emptiness to a lot of the things that I think people experience whenever you go through something so dramatic and, um, and impactful in a way where we we caught our shots and we delivered. And there's not many times in life that you get the opportunity to do that. And to, um, to do it with your brothers that you grew up with, it's, like I said, it's life-changing. And um, Carlton said earlier when it wasn't recorded, <laughs> but like, he couldn't imagine how it would have felt otherwise to than to win and there was something about that win and about the pressure we put on ourselves and the, the things that we went through where we all knew how important it was for the rest of our lives we knew it was going to affect the, the families we we formed the the businesses that we hopefully could 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 work into or the lives that we were going to lead from that point forward and the confidence that we were building from it is uh like in a way there was a wisdom there and um it was impenetrable and uh we knew exactly who we were and we knew our strengths our weaknesses our coaches um allowed us to to be who we were our senior year we suffered a traumatic loss when coach russell left our junior year it was it was probably one of the toughest things i've experienced because he was like a father and um and like i said we all come from different homes different backgrounds and so there was ways that we found um as children we found our community as a as a way to fill the voids in our lives and um through these brotherhoods like i didn't have any brothers so these were my brothers and they still are 
And uh, needless to say, um, not to get caught up in the emotion of it all, because there's there's something meaningful to be said here. And um, I think it's through the pain and the tragedy of our lives and through the losses that we were able to, lucky enough to suffer in a position that we could do something about it. Um, and uh, and having a complete new coaching staff come in our senior year was um, very uh, traumatic in one way, but it was healing in another way. Um, and the fact we had Coach Smith, who, like, God rest his soul, was um, an amazing, uh, perfect solution to the problem we had. Uh, we were all familiar with him. We were familiar with, with the system. He, he wasn't trying to change anything. He came in and he allowed us to be who we were. Coach Williams, as our defense, as our linebackers coach, was another life-changing person for me. And I think Hawk would say the same thing, where he uh, literally – he, nobody tried to come in and be, act like they were somebody. They literally came in and tried to figure out how they could work with – they had respect for us day one. They were – Coach Williams was like, what do we do? And linebacker drills. And, and literally me and Hockaday walked them through every, every step. And we were so serious about it at that point that he didn't have to make it more serious, you know. Anyways, not to, to, to digress um, – you know, we had an amazing group of guys and 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 so many wonderful things that we can go on and on and probably talk for hours about um, with the amazing stories and things that we've experienced together and the way our life has trans lives have transformed because of that experience, the way that confidence has been able to transcend into our lives in ways. Um, and I'm looking around this table and I'm seeing just these men and these people that I respect so much. And um, man, the love I feel for these guys and um, and just the the honor I have just to be able to, um, and the gratitude I have in my heart for these guys is, um, you know, um, I can't thank them enough. Yeah, I mean, I, it hasn't been said, but you know, the group, y'all's group, not only have become you know, great, good citizens, but y'all have also created great lives for each other. I mean, there's at, at least two of I'm looking at two of y'all that are your own business owners right now in front of me. You know, Sean just as well, okay? You got three of y'all right off the top. And that's not even – we're not even getting into any of the other guys. But, I mean, let's count how many of y'all have become football coaches or – Teachers and coaches in different sports. Head coaches, the head coach of the current team, Mr. Josh Ladner. I got a hell of a track coach sitting right here on the side of me as well. Isn't that right, sir? Um, Mr. C. Wright, jump in. Your turn. Let's go. Uh, give me some good moments. Uh, tell me what these guys mean to you and uh, head that direction for me. Well, the only thing I want to talk about is just, um, man, they just did three things personally for me as we as we are men now, about to be 38 in February. Y'all guys, man, when I look back and I talk to my sons, our youth groups, no quit. Like you say, our fights was about, hey, man, you ain't working hard enough or you missed practice, you know, which we hardly ever did. You know, I see guys in the training room 
My son just he in the concussion protocol. I walked in the training room and I see a thousand kids. I'm like, man, this is insane. I don't I don't know what this looked like in high school to be in a training room and have and you got a playoff game. This is why y'all lose. All right. You know, and, and he played for a top five team in Gulfport High. But man, the brotherhood, we all have faced adversity in our own personal lives. And we're still here. And I think because of the Alberville football. I think those things taught us how to bounce back, you know, that no quit attitude. He mentioned it. I, we were not about to lose against Georgetown. Th there was no thought in my mind that we was about to lose. And when I saw him get defeated, because he did, it wasn't just him. I was like, no, nah, man, we about to win this game, man. We about to stop these boys and somehow, some way, we are about to get this ball back and we're going to find a way. Like, I never thought anything else different. No time. And so I just take that on my everyday, um, my everyday personal life, man. I mean, y'all probably, nobody has been probably more on display in the last two or three years probably than me. And so the hardest thing is being quiet, man. That's probably the hardest thing ever. So when you, when you something like a public figure and you got to fight that adversity, man, uh, you know, I, I go back to my football, man. So I thank y'all guys because I go back to each and every one of y'all and say, man, look, we overcame this. I know I can overcome that, if that made sense. So, man, so thank you, thank you, thank you, man. I'm just happy I was able to be a part. Be, be little Tommy can't see right, see biscuit, whatever they used to say, you know. And, uh, yeah, see wrong, see left, all of it, man. That's it. I was everything but right, man. But, yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. You know, a lot, a lot of fun times, man. And I tell everybody, man, that was the best time of my life. You know, if I can go back, I would. You know, but man, hey, I love y'all guys to death, man. Go ahead, Sean Merrill. Talk to me. Well, um, you know, I have such a really unique experience at the Iverville. Um, maybe the most unique. Um, my my life uh, revolved around it. Um, my dad coached for thirty years here, and um, I rode the bus. You know, my dad used to drop me off. I remember one of my first memories growing up was the first person I really remember meeting was Benny Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I remember Benny. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and then he brought me to Miss Cook's class, um, who was probably one of the most impactful people of my life. Um, she was the first person that ever told me that I, I was smart. Um, she told me right out there um, by this gate. She said, boy, you smart as a whip. You just need to believe in yourself. And uh, my mom, yeah, my mom uh, fell in love with her. And uh, she's just impactful. And then and the next person I remember meeting was really the same two people, really the same three people I remember meeting at the same time. I met Tommy Seawright, <laughs> Carlton Cotton, and then Booth. <laughs> And Whitfield, all at the same time. And then remember, Whitfield tried to fight me the first day at recess. <laughs> and they were all together, and I, I threw Whit on the ground. He tries to avoid it, man. And then they used to all get mad because I, I, I used to beat Whit to the fence. Remember, we used to race. We were so competitive that we created an entire competition. <laughs> as soon as they bring us to the edge of the parking lot, uh, the playground over the Diablo Elementary, we had sprint to the fence. It was about a 50-yard run, you know what I'm saying? And now I remember, comp we, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, everything was a competition. Um, and, and I was thinking about that because when I was um, in seventh grade, we had this class in uh, computer science or whatever. And Miss Cummings, she had passed away from cancer a few years ago. But I, um, she made us write poems. And I wrote a poem. Um, and uh, I, if I really go to my mom's house and really dig through some stuff, I'd find it. But I wrote a poem about us winning the state championship our senior year. And uh, I, get, I made a 100 on it. She was so proud of me. And my mom kept it and uh, put it like in this little folder. I found it probably a couple years ago. I'm going to need to find that. But, um, <clears throat> one, huh? I, re I need to refine it again. Uh, but my point is what's unique about that is that I don't really know if I would have been uh, successful without experience what I experienced at D'Arverville because what I saw was you know our whole life we're taught like we do this and we do this and we do this and we work hard we get what we <coughs> right and we all you know like you know coming out of eighth grade I had pretty much failed every grade I felt uh, a lot of people don't really know that about my um, education career but I fell fifth sixth seventh and eighth grade and so they would hold me back. They would make me go to summer school. Always joke in business when I tell my story. I always say um, that uh, I thought I thought uh, middle school was a twelve-month program. <laughs> Hanging out and laughing uncontrollably, and my 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 jaws hurt, my lungs hurt, and I can't gather myself to have a response to be able to. Um, just reason with whatever we have to say. It, it, it's such a good time when we all get together. And it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, we never feel like we ever left each other. And we really haven't. And, and it's, I, I just, I love our bond. I love our relationship. Even though we don't hang out all the time, we feel like we, we can get together pick right and pick right back up, like Darren said, and well. just be... Be, be like just one group and one band of brothers like we talked about earlier. It's a great, great feeling. Uh, to touch on what Hockaday said, uh, Matt Carr here again. But we, um, we're missing, we've got eight of us here. And Jeremy, we're missing uh, quite a few of those uh, rest of our senior there's, class. There's I say 22 of us. 22? 22 or 23. Like 19 of us started. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I mean, looking offhand, I mean, I can go through starting positions, especially Josh Ladner, who's of course, coaching here now, and Josh is an extremely major part, played both ways. Um, uh, going down that line there, Brandon Smith, Delmas. Delmas played both ways also, center and DN. Um, Dexter, a long snapper. God, I ain't never seen a long Mr. snapper a point every single time Mr. Like that. Clutch. Yeah. Um, Brandon Smith on that O-line also. Going on down at just on the seniors. I'm not going to touch on the juniors oh, yeah. anything. Hold on. The most talked about person here tonight was Esau Smith. Correct. Right? Esau. That was where I was gangsta. going next. The other guard, Esau. That is Esau right. has Man, we a gotta give him. Can we fly him All right, in? So listen. All right. So Esau Smith, right? Can we it's fly my cousin. Him? And and honestly, if you think about it, like he's probably the most talked about person that we talked about tonight because this guy didn't care what it took. And he had little man syndrome, to the, but to the extent that he was really strong, he's got that Parker blood that's a, that's, that goes deep into D'Iverville. Jesse Parker back in the, the land that, the, right there next to I-10, that's all our relatives. That's, that's, that's where this all kind of is rooted from whenever they just call, call, call people in D'Iverville stump jumpers. 
you know, and Diablo was ridiculed by people in Biloxi in a way where it was like, you know, they were the we were the country country folks back then and so it, what happened is Diablo developed a really n nasty mentality about how we conducted business and um in football is a is a form of 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 it's war it's war and it's it's a it's a way to to impose into legal violence in a sense and uh in a way it was an expression where we embodied the warrior mentality and we really went to war and uh, I think that's what we saw with the people that were coming for us. Like I said, those the stories we heard about the the predecessors and the teams that came before us. Like, man, for us to be to stand out, we pretty much have to win state because there's been so many just crazy dominant uh, teams and just so many stories. Like I said, just I mean, probably you could probably name over a hundred people if you really started just thinking about significance and, uh, and that we're all familiar with. And so, uh, man, I'm just happy that our, my kids get to come, come up in this environment and, and get to experience this atmosphere. And there'll be a point in time with Josh Leidner at the helm where um, you're going to see Diaberville supersede what we've done in the past, and you're going to see uh, a heritage and a tradition and a history of winning uh, return to this community in Diablo, get some respect restored through Harrison County, and us become a part where we're uh, we are the diamond, and we're not going to get shoved to the side and treated like stepbrothers. And um, and at the end of the day, um, the what you do on the field says it all. And so at the end of the day, the support of these guys in this room, the support of this community, we we played for our community. The reason we. We play. I, I played with two separated shoulders, contusion on my shin, my elbow had so much fluid in it. You know what I mean? We were practicing through all these injuries. Jason was so beat up. Nick had multiple <laughs> head injuries, shoulder injuries. Uh, Sean was beat up. Uh, we were talking about earlier. C Wright had a, a, a really bad hamstring injury. We literally at halftime would have to go into the training room before um, just go through the training room to get treatment during halftime just so we could play in the second half. Um, that happened, I mean, I remember seeing C. Wright and Carlton in there with a quad contusion where mm -hmm. his quad was literally purple, black and blue. And we played Goshe, he, he had the virus, he had a stomach virus in Goshe, remember that? He was throwing up at halftime. He had a stomach bug at halftime. Cotton, that was Cotton, not me. Darren Caleb coming back. <clears throat> we haven't mentioned one special player this whole night. Mr. Clarence Scott, Clarence Scott, Carlton's brother, like this, one of the best people I ever he met. He did go to Blake's in Under the radar, probably our fourth, third best. We needed him. He was, he was. I, I can't, I can't rank him like that. I'm, his brother, his brother, Nick, number one, number two, Hockaday, three. But we haven't, we haven't brought him up all night, and I, I love him. <clears throat> Yeah, there's no order. There's no order. There's no order that you can put us yeah. in. Like, like we all played our contributing parts, and it's unbelievable, like yeah. the sacrifices that we made, and, and and then and then the 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 injuries that we played through were 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 minimal at the time. But looking back, like it was, like we sacrificed for each plays. other. Yeah. And, and and Jason Hockley really, was Dustin Dotilla, 2.0. I mean, it, I mean, he knocked people out. Like now. 
get they get thirty forty thousand dollar fines for stuff that he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what he did to Allen? Remember what he did to Allen out there at the baseball fields oh, on that practice? Glenn German knocked Allen completely out at the practice in ninth grade. I want to say, like, I'm not trying to knock our offense coordinator from our junior year. We had a better team our junior year, and this we could have two rings right now. We did not let one of the best quarterbacks in the state, we didn't let him air it out. Glenn German, thank you very much. Um, hey, we got to bring up that nutcracker machine. Who was on that nutcracker machine, man? No, Hockaday was definitely not on the nutcracker machine. He did everything right. I got one more story. I stayed, one more story. On, that. I stayed on that nut. Oh, wait, Coach Russell. Oh, my gosh. He brought the Hold nutcrackers. Up, Coach Russell, Coach Russell somebody brought somebody that you did not want to disappoint. You form oh, you in the face. I, I still. He's in my golf league. I, this, this is my brother. Like, the story. The story I he heard from the, the coaches is that, that everybody Tennessee. on that team would run nutcrackers after practice, <laughs> yeah, for whether real. you needed to or whether you didn't need to. So listen. So listen. And when we were in ninth grade, we we're fixing to come up in tenth to to move up. Right. Oh we're sitting on the sidelines right here on the uh, south side of the sidelines right here outside of the hut our whole team some of us are kind of new to don't really understand the rules and sitting on our helmets and sitting on our butts right and we were so far away from the action we thought we were safe but uh needless to say we into and, and to us they were they were like walking gods to be honest like we we looked at those boys, and at the time, we were watching them do, like, this scrum that was almost like a rugby scrum where it was just – they I don't even know if they were even had a ball involved. They were just literally just coming at each other, like a, almost like a rugby scrum, and they were just seeing, like, offense, defense, who's tougher. I don't, I don't think there was a ball involved. They were probably running, like, power. I don't even think – but it was just – it was just like old school, like gladiator style, and we were just sitting there like, oh my gosh, because they were they weren't it, they weren't that much bigger than us, but it was just a different speed. It was a different animal, and all of a sudden, Coach Russell starts just tromping his way all the way across the field, and we see him coming, and we're just like, oh shit, is he coming this way? Oh, he's coming, he's coming. Oh, okay, oh god, all right, he's here, and he literally just looks at us, and we're sitting there like we idolized him in a way because. I don't know why, honestly. I really like you know, but in the same token, nah, we knew that to he do held the culture. keys to the kingdom, and there was a the culture, culture here, yeah. and there was a respect. Speak on that about the culture. I mean, the culture was always different here. I mean, you, um, we didn't, you know, people didn't really call out sick at Diarbville. You know, there wasn't no sick days. I remember Hot getting a stomach bug, and Coach Russell. Um, made the team vote. Uh, was he allowed to get a bypass because he was at home was sick and everybody voted that he could still play and Coach Russell said, no, nah, he still can't play. Remember that? Everybody voted I that. No, I wasn't there. No. <laughs> I, we all voted I, that. You, we all voted on the 50-yard line. Y'all remember that? Yeah. That hog, no, he shouldn't be punished for having a stomach bug. And, uh, and, um, and, and, uh, and he still made him sit out. And, and I used to think that was dumb. But now as I got older, and, I, and to finish kind of off what I was saying earlier, but, you know, what I learned here, I, you know, like I wrote that point, what I learned here is, is that, um, like, when you really work at something and you really believe in something, like, 
like you can actually you can actually like finish the job you know um, so many people say you know I'm gonna try my best and I'm gonna do this and I'm like no like I just like I, you have to execute and that's what we, we did you know what I mean so so my point is we won the state championship for us and I remember so many times in business remembering like sitting in a damn lobby and no one's showing up to my office. I got office fees, but I ain't got no income coming in. I got bills due on Friday. And I don't have a job, so they're not going to pay me to show up. They're gonna, I only get paid to produce. And I remember sitting in the lobby and I remember always thinking back, if you just keep chopping the tree, like it's going to eventually fall, right? Like, and we, like we didn't win the state championship We're on close. December 7th and 2002 we won the state championship years prior yeah. to that i want to go off of that i want to go off of that you know what I'm saying? i want to thank all the coaches i mean it, it all started with ted williams randy prince the late great lewis smith there's a, it took a lot of key plays to keep that momentum going and one of the the key things was tommy c wright 72 yards that keep us undefeated <laughs> he's still alive. Tommy Shrey is still alive. Oh, Tommy! Yeah, Tommy Booth made a real, a lot of good plays too, especially our junior year. <clears throat> but it was—it's like an avalanche, man. It just started. It started with a, your big seventy-two-yard catch to beat George County on the road in seventh grade. The next year. Okay, Jonathan Banks, their ninth grade year. We're losing the whole game to St. Martin at home. <clears throat> That's what I said. They were both in the same year? Okay, yeah. Well, we won so many games, you know. I know. But it started then. It was started then. It was raining, but we always believed we were going to figure it out. This is what I was getting to. Me and Seawright used to play uh, – VNC Wright used to play this dice game in, in this side locker room. It was called Get Like Me. It was like this. And uh, we played for quarters back then. You were broke. Nip, nip, nip. So uh, that Wednesday, that Wednesday, I just was got on a roll, and I got Tommy for like $13 and quarters. <clears throat> Tommy. Tommy, I got you for all your money, like $13 and quarters. When he caught that 72 yard cut, that touchdown, I had it in like a crown roll back. I gave it all back to him, man. <laughs> like, thank you, man. With Nip off the hinge there. Oh, Nip was bad. Nip was the crunkest dude on our team. But look, let me piggyback real fast about David Ross. Anybody else on the team? He was a. What, 130, 140 max, max, and play D tackle and run the wing thoughts. and run that inside trap. So, so Nip, Nip Hicks was the guy. Nip Hicks, let me let me just fill you in on everybody. Cornelius Hicks was his actual name. So we we called him Nip. That was his nickname. Yeah. Shout out so, Nip. So this was our ninth grade year. That was the only year he played with us, right? So Nip was a big part in us being successful our ninth grade year. 
And, and there wasn't many people from our seventh grade year all the way through our senior year that came and went or moved in and helped or, or, or stayed around and contributed. Like, it was, it was a pretty solid group all the way through. And, uh, but, but Nip, our, our ninth grade year, played a big part in our defensive scheme uh, attacking the, the pass rush and being a big player inside for our uh, anybody – Yes, we were exactly. We ran a five-three. Brandon Lewis and Nip Hicks. Those were two like running back style players that played defensive tackle for us. And those guys absolutely did a fantastic job. Now, now with our five-three defense, five-three means five defensive linemen and three linebackers. We played against Pickyum one day, and Robbie Robbie will be upset and happy. I'm telling this story. But in ninth grade, he made almost every tackle that game because our defensive line did such a good job of keeping the offensive linemen off of the linebackers, the second level, that I came in and tried to attack every tackle from the outside linebacker position. A 5-3, you only have one middle linebacker and two outside linebackers. I was in almost every tackle, but I wasn't tackling the ball carrier. I was actually hitting Robbie in the <laughs> every back. single time as hard as I could, thinking I was about to hit the ball carrier. And, and he's it, hit my it, kidney. And Robbie's having trouble today. I'm still with, pissed He's blood. still <laughs> taking ibuprofen today because of the game we played at Picky in that 5-3 alignment. But it was a it was a really fun memory for all of us because number one, Robbie led the team in tackles that day on a team that ran the football like every single play, and then I contributed to his kidney problem today. Yeah. But it, it was it was it was a good like establishment of listen, I'm here, you're here, we need to find a way to work this out together because we're both doing a really good job and we need to figure out how to fight for each other what me and hawk figured out how to do is we showed how two alphas can exist on the same playing field and there was a uh there was a point in time where we had to uh make an agreement in terms of where we knew we had to put our egos aside and we had to focus on and in a way i think that compromise helped us a lot because it was something that we at a, that place in our life we could both understand that compromise and and what happened is it it really allowed us to lead collectively and I remember we never tried to overshadow each other we we always showed mad respect in fact in in a way and there was even part of my little ego back then that was like kind of felt like it was a weak move on my behalf but we made a compromise not to go against each other especially late later in the year, it didn't even make sense, but we made a compromise not to compete against each other in linebacker drills be, for the sake of the team, because we felt like that's where we were probably going to get injured. And we were, we had enough wisdom or maybe we respect each other enough to know, we just knew it was going to be a dog fight and there was no, like it's the whole season's a dog fight. Like I said, we, your body's deteriorating. We all start, we, I mean, I think I started the year, our senior year at 225 pounds. I finished at like 205 you're like emaciated. And, I and was a lot smaller than you were, and I finished a lot smaller than you sure. finished. So it was a, a mutual thing. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to jump over here with uh, Nick. You know, uh, quarterbacks 
have this unseemingly kinship that we might not bring up as often, but I want to bring up the family connection between being a quarterback at the Ireville and then just, just elaborate from there and give me a special moment and, and let us know what's going on. So, um, where do I start? Um, I think I've had a family member since the 70s playing uh, for Diaberville. Um, and every decade we've uh, either cousin or uncle played football for Diaberville. Um, but speaking on that, uh, like the brotherhood of it, um, you know, this group killed college football for me. <laughs> it really did because when you get to that next – type of level nobody cared nobody cared about the next guy next to him it was just look what I can do so and you know some of the other guys here can definitely tell you that that they just didn't really care about helping their teammate out or um, so it's just completely different kind of ruined it for me uh, going forward but uh, talking about also like you'd ask about the uh, moments um, and it wasn't with these guys, believe it or not. It was with, uh, it was my ninth grade year. They were still in ninth grade, but, uh, the seniors took me in. Um, I remember them, they'd pick me up cause I couldn't drive yet. So they would pick me up after uh class and I would hang out with them, uh, up until game time. So, you know, they cared. Um, and it was like that. It's been like that through all the years I can think, uh, through Diabville's, you know, long history. So um, just caring about one another, um, even though there was a little hazing going on. Um, as we came, you know, as we got older and got, you know, into ninth grade. Yeah, so. This is before the hazing rules really came into effect. Correct, correct. Yes, there, w there was not real hazing. I mean, you know, just putting they, they kids tried in the, trash cans. Uh, our first, our first, our first, uh, when we were in ninth grade, we had our first, uh, we had our first uh, pep rally, and they tried to, they tried to can me all the seniors. It didn't work out real well. Yeah. We do need to note that Nick's the only four-year starter sitting at this table. Hey, we I didn't have. I started. They. I started four years. I started the last four games of the season. Three games. Yeah. That's yeah. not the same. Yeah. So he. They, they, no, I, they, they were so bad ahead of us. They were so County. bad. George County. We did not have him in eighth grade. Ninth grade had him. We didn't have him in ninth grade. High school had him. That's how good he was. So Nick. Nick. Were we Nick hit his growth spurt really we're early. Still like, imagine we don't get that. We Nick always play the with ball. Nick. Really? Just keep it taking yeah, it. Yeah, finish it up, Nick. Tell me what we're doing right so, with the market Rams. Yeah, so, you know, I was brought up through uh, quarterbacks pretty much through the whole time. Uh, Malco Ray started in the 70s. Uh, my dad played here as a center in the 80s. And then, uh, of course, Malco Conrad back in the early 90s, um, which was – to be honest, he was probably the best of all of us. And then um, my cousin, my other cousin, Ray, which was came a little bit before me, before, I think, a little bit before Ray Morris's time. Little Ray. Ray was quarterback. He had a good arm. Yeah. 
Ray had a but, good uh, Ray had a good arm. Yeah. I think looking back. Keep going. Keep going through the whole family. Oh. Um, Jake. We'll see. Then it, there was me. Wesley played quarterback. And then um, also have, speaking of other family members, um, my cousin Delmas. He was the center for us. Defensive end. Defensive end. And then um, also had my brother played. He came up that season. So he was on the team, which was which was special. And then also Wesley, had Wesley yeah, Ladner. Wesley Ladner. <laughs> and then uh, we also had Austin Holly. So Delmas's uh, little brother was also there, and uh, he ended up starting the first play of the state game. That was not a good start to that. What happened? So bouncing to that, since we're here about that game, um, the first the first play. Yeah, the very first play. I think uh, I think we got ball first. Right. I, I don't really remember a whole lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. But but anyways, um, coming after that, talking about family because it, it's very extensive. Uh, my brother played after me at quarterback, and then. Well, you got to name names. You got a lot of brothers. Uh, Wesley Ladner, and then. Years later, my other, the younger brother behind him played here as quarterback also. What's so, his name? Uh, Jake Jacob Ladner. Ladner. For God's sake. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, long history here. Uh, Tracy's going to kill you. But speaking, speaking <laughs> about, Tracy you know. Tracy played here. Talk about your dad, too. He's a, yeah. So, your daddy played tight end. No, he played center. And he played tight end for my dad. Oh, uh, ninth grade. Yeah, in ninth grade he played tight end. <laughs> it really, like I said earlier, it it kind of ruined later on, but it also made me better in the other endeavors that I've taken. Um, Absolutely, this is. I, I want to touch on the early years of Nick Ladner because Nick, um, so he moved up from the ninth grade one week specifically to play Stone County, and. I can remember vividly that we were like, okay, cool, that's awesome. He's getting to play varsity ball, and he gets to move up. Hey, we never got him back, but, I, you know, myself, I was able to play quarterback. I wasn't able to throw the ball like he was, but, okay, we, we got the job done. We got him undefeated. But with Nick, we would have dominated everybody instead of coming in a close second to anybody. But Nick came up there, varsity level, first game he ever played, his freshman year, everybody else is sophomores now. Some, a lot of seniors he's playing against against Stone County. We go up to Stone County. I remember going to the game and sitting in the top row of Stone County Stadium, which is Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, and watching Nick go to work against this team. Listen, so Nick shows up. He practices all week with the varsity team. He ends up getting under center first play. Down, said, hut, but they don't snap it. He backs up into shotgun, and, and Stone County's like, what the hell is going on here? We're a Veer team. Ray Morris Barnes is a quarterback. We're running Veer, Veer, power, trap. Like, that's our, that's our go-to, right? Nick backs up, and we start running some – some 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 read yeah four wide spread one back ten personnel if you're a football person he's snapping the ball boom zip boom zip touchdown we kick it off three four five six plays and out 
Boom, we get the back. Zip, zip, touchdown. We beat them like 45 to nothing. Like it was, it was an awful experience for Stone County. Nick, do you remember that game? Obviously, you remember that game. Like, like that was like the biggest. Like, oh, I, crazy. it was unbelievable. Diaberville has never thrown for like that kind of yardage in that game. Nick was a freshman. He was probably 14, 15 years old playing in that atmosphere away at Stone County in a college football stadium at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, and he dominated the opponent. Like, it was so fun to watch. And then I realized, like, oh, crap, I'm going to have to play quarterback next week for our ninth grade team, right? And we were playing a tough opponent in East Central or somebody that was pretty dang good, George County or somebody. And Nick, like, uh, he really, like, I can't give him enough credit for what he did early in his career versus what he did later in his career. I think all of it built on to what he did his senior year because of what he did early in his career, the experience well, like he gained. Like we talked about earlier, it was about my job was to get the ball down the field. I didn't care how I had to do it. Um, now, with Coach German and, and Coach Smith, uh, you know, Coach Smith had – he had uh, the guts to do, you know, the confidence in everybody to take it down the field. So, before it was a thing, we audibled – in high school, the whole team, the whole offensive team, offensive side of the ball knew all the audibles. And we had probably what? The playbook. I mean, that time. Yeah. Coach Russell, listen, testament to Coach Russell, by the way, because that, what we're talking about is because he instilled a junior high system and we had systems in place. He had systems in place Going that prepared through. us yeah. for this. Just so you, this is I where it all was, was rooted. Coach Russell prepared was, that team. I think it was eight audibles, I believe, is what Coach German told me. No, it was more than that. It was more than that? Yeah. Um, if I can remember right, C. Roddy Carlton have to help me. I think we could run any pass play based off of numbers, a uh, number system. So, you know, and they know he, he'd be screaming from the sideline some some things I can't say, but, you know, change the play. And, you know, and Carlton's back there. You hear him? And I'm like, I'm not, can't really hear him. But he's changed the play, but not as nice. So, you know, there would be plenty of times I'd love to change it to a passive play for me and for Tommy and me and Jarrett and, and Clarence. But, you know, it was it was wide open for Carlton. And, I mean, we would stack it up against him. So, um, it was just all about our job. It wasn't really – I didn't want any stats. I just wanted to get the ball down the field, either score or get us in a better game, you know, position going forward. Yeah, we're uh, you know I'd love to continue this all night long, but so uh, we we got we got to we got to rein it in just a little bit more. I want to get a couple more things from Coach Hockaday. I say Coach Hockaday because I'm used to saying that, but uh, Coach Hockaday and Coach Cotton, okay. But uh, Matt's gonna throw something in here too. It's been fun, guys. I want to say that it's been fun. I appreciate it.
Yeah, I started on this earlier, and I, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't hit the other seniors that contributed that are not here tonight. Um, I made it down the O-line. I didn't even get to the, the best one in the O-line, and was the best pass catcher, too. Jared Landrum at tight end. He contributed just as much, if not more, than anyone on that offense. And a great friend. It didn't matter if it was blocking, receiving, whatever. Did everything, never complained, as Sean described earlier. Rolling over to the defense. I know we got eight of us here. And well, I've covered. Say on the O-line, we got Brandon Smith. Already, he, he was yeah, a big Brandon yeah, Smith was a big one. I, I want to touch so. on that in a minute. I, I hit all those earlier, and that, right. that's where I got kind of sidetracked. Keith, Keith Miller took a lot of hits. Yes, yeah, I, I, I hit on <laughs> – yeah. Yeah, Keith did too. I hit on a lot of that, but I wanted to make it down the defense. And, again, I'm just highlighting the seniors. No disrespect go, to the juniors. I'm going to read the whole roster. But okay. Break it down towards the end. Delmas at D-end, Sean's comperpont here. He, Shane Wynn was a, a killer I'm, on that I'm, defense. I'm making it there. I'm making it there. Yeah, Leonard, but down the linebacker slots, But besides Robbie and Hockaday, these two here, you got – Jared, who started the later games in the playoffs at outside, along with Shane Wynn. Shane Wynn contributed all year as an outside linebacker and never really got much recognition. Shane, and then we hit our DBs. Tommy and Brett Palmer, along with Clarence. I know Clarence was a junior, but we didn't speak much on any of them. Like they those DBs. Locked like down those DBs, all yes. Year long. Man, one thing about Brett Palmer, it, again, I knew this young man since five years old probably the toughest competitor that I ever been around. And the reason why I say that for I mean you're playing around like just high personality guys. And I used to pick on them. I say, "Look, man, uh, you got me and Clarence right here. They're probably going to go at you." And for a while, he led the team in interceptions for like the first seven why games. Huh? Why is that? I said, I'm gonna be honest. I said, man, they got white. I said they got white legs. They going at you. I said, I said, I said white legs. They going at you, right? And he said, what you mean? I said, you about to find out. I said, you about to. I said, I said, yeah, correct. But he was he he was the fast. He was one of the fastest guys with us, man. We we made it all the way to state in a four by one and didn't go because we went to Disney World and didn't go. Um. Uh, you know, that, that, that's another podcast for another day. But Brett Palmer, man, hey, that guy was awesome, man. He was awesome. Coach Hockaday? So so I've got a few things I want to touch on. You know, I I, I, I graduated from Diablo High School. I went, I went, I played on the state championship team. I have a lot of pride for Diablo High School, and I think it's a, a big part of why I am or, or who – who I've become today is because of what I have learned and gained from Diablo High School. And I can't thank the institution enough for Harrison County Schools and Diablo High School for what they've done for me in my um, adult life. But uh, a few things, when I, this is a podcast for the high school 2002 state championship team. And I want to highlight a few things that happened that year for us and our, uh, our team and, and, and basically our family, not just our team, but people outside of our family that were a part of it. Um, number one, Brandon Smith played, played uh, guard for us, and he was a special player. Big guy. Um, like, he wasn't the most swift guy on the field, but that dude would get – he would stonewall anybody that was trying to pass rush or run block. Like, he would not allow anybody through his gap. He was a force to be reckoned with, and he would not allow um, anybody to, to disrupt what we were trying to do offensively. And I think that I, I'd be remiss – 
to mention his mother, mm. who is probably, I, I want to say she's the Smith. heart and soul of what we are built off of. Like, she is a bolt off the cloth that we were made of. And, and, and I, I said that backwards. We are a bolt of the cloth that she was made of because she took care of us from the moment we said Diaberville football, she was a part of our lives. Um, from seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, all the way through our senior year, she really took care of us like she was, or like we were her own. Um, she made us what we call puppy chow. Right, y'all all know what puppy chow is. It's that Chex mix mixed with peanut butter and chocolate and powdered sugar, and it was the most wonderful thing we've ever tasted in our entire life. And uh, and that's what she would make for us every every night before we played another opponent. She would have puppy chow for us, um, and we felt so special to have her. Um, be there for us in that way just we get a little treat from miss patty and we knew we could always expect it and we appreciated it every single week and we loved her for that not only that and, and you know when our junior high days when we were playing eighth grade i wish robbie and those guys that went to wall market would would see that but we, we went and watched the film from the week before like the following monday prior to our game and we would we would watch the game and she she taught iss Right, so it wasn't the friendliest crowd that she had every day. But we would go into her class in like seventh period, eighth period, whenever that last period of the day was. We would go in there and we would be able to watch the game from, from the night, the, the weekend or the week before, and we would like celebrate our victory because we always won in junior high. Um, and she would have puppy chow for us on that day. And it was such a cool experience and, and kind of made us even want to win even more because we saw that we had a fan Yes. I know. Okay. I got to move on. All right. But Miss Patty, we appreciate you and we love you so much. And I know we're, you're still a part of the Warrior family. All right. On, on Thursday nights leading up to our high school senior nights, we would always, somebody would always host us. Like somebody would always have us over. We'd have steaks. We'd have burgers. We'd have, we'd have whatever the food was on the menu. We didn't care. We just knew that we were going to be together and we were going to watch our game from the prior week. And we had a recording of it on a VHS tape and we'd pop it in the VCR and we'd rewind every time somebody wanted to rewind and we'd watch it. And it was such a good experience to have everybody together. It wasn't just seniors. It was seniors, juniors, sophomores, whoever had a ride to get there. We would all in embellish in the weekend before and know that we were on track to win the following week and that was a really cool experience and I think that made us grow closer as a group not just as seniors but as a whole team and I think that was a big contributor to us winning what we set out to win in the state championship um, funny story um, Leading up to our senior year, we, we trained, we worked hard over the summer, we, we got after it. We always were known for good defenses and hitting hard and being heavy hitters on that side of the ball. And offensively, I know our offensive line got after it too. And I knew that, and not just me, but everybody on the team knew that we needed a motto to kind of live by. And, and it, well, that, that was something we lived by during the summer. Coach Cotton said, Let's get swole, win state. And I think that was a big time push for us in the summer. And we loved that, that hey, I would, I would yell across the room, get swole. And somebody else across the room would yell, win state. 
And it was a cool little deal for us, and it made us want to work harder because we all had one goal in mind was to win the state championship for our school, and not just for our school, but for us and for our families and for everybody involved. But Coach Smith came to us about, I don't know, it was a couple weeks before the first game of the year, and... Uh, and, and everybody loved Coach Smith. Like, he was our ninth grade coach. He moved up to coach our varsity team our senior year. And we were like, man, this guy, I, I, we all love this guy. And <laughs> it was real funny because he got kind of, he was kind of sketchy about this whole thing. He came up to us. He said, all right, we're going to have a senior meeting after practice today. Okay, cool. We were all like, oh, good. it's all good. Let's have the meeting. It might, might have been before practice. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, everybody else go outside. We're going to keep the seniors inside. I was like, all right, cool. Everybody was like, yeah, all right. So <laughs> we have everybody in the locker room. And his locker room was small at the time, and it's still a small locker room now. But we had this little con confined space, and we're all seniors are sitting around. Coach Smith and all the other coaches walk in, and he says, all right, guys, it's time for us, and I want you all to be involved, to come up with a senior motto for our program. And he says, before he even says anything else, he says, all right, guys, hey, we all know what we want to be. We said, all right, guys, hey, bring in the pain. Well, that actually, 2002, me and Ellis came up pain. with that. Me and Ellis came up with that in the, in the gym that weekend prior to whatever we were training. We were like, we were like, we were like, bringing the yeah, we were like, yeah, bring in the pain. That's the, that's the motto. That's the motto. And then, and then. What was that song came out? Yeah, bring the pain. So then my and then and then my dad came in and he was like, Well, you know, we were like bringing the pain. And he, so and he, so he's so he says, Lewis, Coach Smith comes in and says, All right, listen, hey, before like y'all say anything, yeah. we already said bring in the pain. We're like, Oh yeah, we got it. We're gonna bring in the pain. No, 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 no. Babe, before y'all say anything, I want you to remember and everybody's pushing for this is the, the 50th booster. year yeah. of the Warrior Football. Club. The so, Booster Club really so I think wants. That everybody wants to do a 50th year of something. I was like, okay. Everybody looked around at everybody. And everybody's like, okay, this is a no-brainer. We're going to say 50 years of bringing the pain. And Coach Smith looks around. He's like frustrated and flustered. He's like, oh, my gosh. He said, he said well, look. You guys just let me know when y'all figure it out because I'm done here. And walks out of the room. And we were all looked through. He walked out of the room. We looked around. We were like, oh my God, did we just come Everybody was in agreement. 50 years of bringing the pain. And that's one of the funniest stories that I remember from Coach Smith. Ain't and, that and the, our preseason activities. Ain't that funny that everybody has the exact same remembrance of that story? Because <laughs> my dad, I was, I remember walking out like dad. I was, he was walking out to, the, we were walking out to the baseball field where we practiced, and I'm like, dad, what was that? About? <laughs> he was like, well, just one. I said, everyone was on the same page. You're the only person that's bitching about this, you know. Funny. I, my I, dad, y'all don't know this about my dad is that he was the most. He was the most. My dad was the kindest person on the planet. One hundred percent agree. But he was so negative <laughs> to the point where it was funny. So like he just wanted to be the negative person growing up. Like if everybody in the house, like he was legit like a like a secret Saints fan. But like if everybody in the house was a Saints fan, he was a Falcons fan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
because he just liked to see everyone get pissed off. <laughs> so, and that was my dad. I mean, that was. He, he, and that's one hundred percent true with Sean saying. And I think that you know a lot of the coaches had a positive attitude about the game the, the next week, and everybody else was like, I don't know, man. You know, what if we do this and this happens? You know, well, we might win, boys. Then hey, then again, we might lose. I don't know. <laughs> That was Lewis's attitude about the whole thing, but it, but he had a he had an open mind and he was willing to do whatever it took to be like the leader of that crew, and he wanted everybody to be on the same page. But he wanted everybody to understand that there was a possibility of losing, and you need to do your part to be able to extend that winning streak. Um, and I, and I, listen, so so I, I've I've spent a lot of time on the microphone, but I want to I want to say a couple things about two different people. I take that back. Three different people. Number one. State championship game, we show up, and we're like, this team has the best defense in the state that we're playing against. We felt like we were the best defense in the state. 100. Definitely. So we felt like we needed to prove something in that game. All right? So needless to say, we win the game. We go out there. We, we, we score 33 points. They score seven. So we end up being the best defense in the state when it's all said and done. When they write the record books, the Iberville Warrior football was the best defense in the state that year. We gave up 95 points, less than 100 points in a single season, and I thought it was a great accomplishment for us, and I really feel proud about that. But the first play of the state championship game was one that I will never forget. It was a kickoff, and we were on the kickoff team. We kicked off. Darren kicked off, and he normally this dude – will kick the ball in the end zone, and he will send it 8 to 10 yards deep every time he kicks it in the end zone. But this time, he was against the wind. We, we hit the ball probably to the 1 or 2-yard line, and the guy was able to return it. Well, Robbie, my man, was it Robbie? Was the kid return? All right, let's switch that. Let's switch that. Let's switch that. So, Jeremy can edit this. <laughs> so, so, Aaron – not Aaron, Robbie, Robbie ends up going down as the middle guy on our kickoff return team. Our kickoff return team was, we usually got it out to the 35, 40-yard line every single time. Well, Robbie was the middle guy in our middle section, which we have a fullback, which is Robbie, and the two tight ends on the side, which we call tight ends. Uh, it was me, and I can't remember, I think it was Shane. It might have been Shane Wynn. Or Esau, it was one of us, so it was, it was a couple guys on the edge. And Robbie had this guy pointed out before the kickoff even started. He's like, that's, that's my guy right there. I'm taking this guy. Number one, because he had the number 23 on his jersey. And Robbie wears number 23. So we end up, they kick off to us, and Robbie drops back his 10 yards like normal, and he beelines to this cat at probably the 45-yard line. And he murders, like, I, I don't know. There's probably some crime scene tapes still left up on the Jackson Memorial, yeah, Memorial Stadium there. Like, like yes, so my man, my man Dion Sanders is out there. Like, what is this tape for? Is this for something? I don't know what's going on here. But I want to know. So Robbie takes this guy and smashes this guy into the following week. He probably doesn't even know Christmas hit yet, and he's still in the state championship game. So Robbie's 
knocks this guy's helmet off. It absolutely explodes on the field and bounces like 15 yards. He's got pads going left, pads going right, and Robbie gets up as soon as he knocks this guy down on the ground and says, yeah, I'm the real 23. I'm the real 23. So it was a really big time like play. And, and, and not just Robbie's like remembrance of this game, but everybody's like it, it resides with everybody because that was the tempo that we started with. A big time smash hit, smash mouth hit. Even though we fumbled the next play and they got the ball back. That was what resided with everybody. Yeah, 33. You can look at the play. It was 33. Cotton was 33. You got to keep it at 233. But I like, I like what you're thinking. Um, so that was a big-time play for us, and I think that set the tone for what we wanted to accomplish that game. The last thing I want to talk about is the heart and soul of Diaboville football right now. So Josh Ladner played offensive line and defensive line as we moved through our high school ranks. He started on offensive line, and then ended up starting on defensive line. Being as, as unathletic as I was in that same position as a backup quarterback, run that thing to perfection. Like it was, it was super impressive, and I appreciate everything that you've done for our program. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I've had a good time with y'all tonight. Um, we're gonna, you know. I feel bad because we, we Coach Cotton hit us real deep and had a good good little bit there earlier, and and my and my goofy behind didn't have the record button pushed. So we're gonna try it one more time, Coach Cotton. I know you you might not duplicate it, but finish us up in the right way, please. I'll start off by saying um, can't believe it's twenty years that we've played uh, high school football. But I will say that I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be around such a great group of guys who who was with me as I was molded into, you know, as you mentioned earlier, earlier the young man, you know, we was boys then, and we had some great people that poured into our life, you know, starting with um, our parents who made sure that we was at practice and they trusted us with the leadership we were receiving from our coaches and our coaches then, you know, trusted their ability to put us in good situations to be successful. And, you know, now here we are, uh, Thomas C. Wright, Robbie Ellis, Jason Hockaday, Matt Carr, Nick Ladner, Darren McCaleb, Sean Merrill, and myself here to be able to share 20 years later and to be able to capsize the memories that we had in a more powerful way now. But I'm grateful just to be a part of, be able to be in a relationship with these fellas because they taught me so much uh, coming through. And, you know, they mentioned my name a lot, but they, they'd be surprised if they'd heard how many times I just mentioned their name and just was excited to be with them, uh, playing with them, and, and trusting in them while they entrusted in me to win together. You know, uh, the fans, the community, and the school as a whole, we're just grateful for all of them just to uh, pour into our lives and uh, grateful to be able to be one of the teams that 
play good football here at Diabville. Uh, I'm sure there were other championship teams available, but I will say that God allowed us to have the right people in the right places at the right time to allow us to get the championship. And we won't we won't uh, have any more time, but I'm just thankful. And uh, all praise, honor, and glory go to God for just, you know, allowing the right thing to happen, the, the, the ins and the outs, the ups and the downs that we was able to endure and go through and, and get the championship. Like I said before, I, I don't know what this story would have had been written if we didn't win at all. I, I don't even I don't even want to think about, you know, that part of it. All I can remember is uh seventh grade playing with these fellas, eighth grade playing with these fellas, ninth grade playing with these fellas, tenth grade playing with these fellas, eleventh grade playing with these fellas and finishing off with our high school experience with the best way you possibly could. We, we won all the games they allowed us to play. And that's all I can say. We had, um, we had the best quarterback. We had the best offensive line. We had the best defense. We had the best linebackers. We had the best defensive backs. We had the best kicker. And then they had little old me just wanted to, <laughs> wanted to make everybody just just – have fun with the ball, and then we had and we had everybody, um, and we had all the fans that just supported us so well, and just grateful for the opportunity to be in that spotlight. So, so Cotton, I can't agree with you more about the fans, and that's one thing that I think would be remiss if we had not mentioned our families, and our friends, and the people that stayed at that stadium. Week in and week out, and it's it hasn't changed today. The people are still there, right? I can remember vividly that after we won the South State Championship against George County, it was the most exuberant point in my life at that point in my life. Like, it was such a big accomplishment for all of us. And then 30 minutes after the game, we get the speech that, you know, Coach Smith gives us a little, like, way to go. We give our – Coach Cotton gave interview. I gave an interview. Robbie gave an interview. Shane, like, Shane went – me and Shane went, went to the emergency room that night. And I don't know if y'all – any of y'all know this, but me and Shane went to the emergency room. I got my finger reset. Got a cast put on, and Shane Wayne got stitches put in his head like that night. It, or it was his chin. Okay, so he got stitches put in his chin. Regardless, whether it was his chin or his forehead, we both, we both went to the emergency room and got fixed up that night, and then we couldn't get home in time to watch the 10 o'clock news or whatever the news was to watch the Friday night showdown with AJ and... <laughs> Yeah, like it was such a such a fun experience to watch that on Friday nights following our Friday night game. Um, that was pretty. It was Bill Snyder checking into the Cotton Club every single week, and Bill was absolutely awesome for us. And I still talk to Bill on the sidelines to like this past week. AJ and Bill were fantastic with our team, but me and Shane Wynn got he, Shane got stitched up. My finger got reset. I got a cast put on, and we stopped at the Village Sports Pub in Edgewater Village to watch the highlights, the Friday night highlights of that night. 
And me and him and both of our families sat around and watched it that night. And I can remember vividly us celebrating, yes, us celebrating that experience together. Well, just so y'all can hear it from me, uh, it's a special episode, 20th anniversary. But one thing I had to make sure I did for sure, uh, this episode is going to be dedicated to Coach Lew head, Lew head, head Coach Lewis Smith. Uh, you know, I brought it up with the coaches. He was my driver's ed teacher, my ninth grade football coach, and you know, it was just he was a he was a special guy. And and I talked about with Hockaday, he was the right guy at the right time at the right moment to come in with you guys once Coach uh, Russell moved to Biloxi, but. I just want to add it all again, say thank you to all y'all for being able to come out. You know, it's kind of a short notice. I wish we could have had more. You know, this thing would probably run about eight, ten hours at this rate. We could talk all day but, uh, long, Jeremy. And I, I just want to say thank you to y'all. Uh, it's a great season, special season, and, uh, you know, it's Dyerville football. We love it. Uh, there's nothing else uh, much more to say than that. And uh, I'm going to sign out. There's Jeremy Forehand. Talking ball, y'all. We'll see you next time. Thank you guys for tuning in to this special episode here. Celebrating the 2002 4A state championship team from D'Arville High School. Uh, just want to list out the names on the roster. Kind of give them a little bit of a spotlight. I want to start with the coaching staff. Head coach, Lewis Smith. Assistant coaches, Eddie Wayne Whitehead, Glenn German, Brad Talley, Ted William, Keith Marslin, and student teacher, Brad Pickage. Your roster on that 2002 state championship team. Number five, Brandon Seymour. Number six, Jake Ollier. Number seven, Sean Sergener. Number eight, Jared Landrum. Number 10, Jason Hockaday. Number 11, Donald Noble. Number 12, Chris Maybow. Number 13, Shane Wynn. Number 14, Joe Seidel. Number 15, Corey Batiste. Number 16, Wesley Ladner. Number 18, Nick Ladner. Number 19, Brett Palmer. Number 20, Jeremiah Fish. Number 21, Tommy Seawright. Number 22, Jeffrey Kovacevich. Number 23, Robbie Ellis. Number 24, Darren McCaleb. Number 24, Mark Gonsolin. Number 28, Gregory Gallot. Number 30, Pete Jones. Number 31, Jeffrey Thomas. Number 32, Sean Cook. Number 32, 33, Carlton Cotton. Number 35, Clarence Cotton. Number 36, John Hodginson. Number 38, Derek Bryant. Number 44, Austin Holly. Number 48, Richard Perdue. Number 49, John Davis. Number 50, Brandon Smith. Number 52, Zach Grady. Number 55, Jonathan Parker. Number 56, Kofi Gordon. Number 58, Delmas Holly. Number 59, A.J. Pertusi. Number 60, Trey Christensen. Number 61, Dexter King. Number 62, Chris Martin. Number 64, Esau Smith. Number 65, Lester Baldwin. Number 66, Joshua Hickman. Number 68, Keith Miller. 
Number 72, Matthew Carr. Number 75, Leonard McMurrian. Number 76, Jared Gale. Number 77, Sean McQueen. 78, Josh Ladner. Number 80, Frank Schatzman. 81, Adam Kendrick. 82, Jordan Fountain. 83, Corey Varnano. 84, D. McGee. 85, Cliffy Roberts. 87, David Harkey. 88, Robert Schatzman. 89, Joe Walker. And 99, Sean Merrill. One last thing before I sign off, y'all. Um, we didn't. I don't know how much it was brought up, but I just want to bring up, you know, this this uh, this 2002 squad not only did well on the football field, but they did well when they left the football field. And by that, I mean this squad is very full of uh, business owners. Um, you know, we have the the quarterback Nick Ladner has his own uh, pharmacy in Woolmarket. We got Robbie Ellis, who is a physical therapist that owns his own business, Neo Life. Sean Merrill's. Um, we got plenty of them that have been become coaches. This is a very coach heavy uh, class that that we had here. Uh, Carlton Cotton as a track and field and assistant in football. Jared Landrum, coach football in Louisiana. You know, uh, current on the, you know, Hockaday, coach, coach football for, I believe, I want to say he told me it was 12 or 13 years, I believe. You know, and now he's at, uh, he's, he's a coach at Crooked Letter CrossFit in Diaberville, so... Austin Holly, you know, he was a freshman. He came up as a freshman on that team. He is an assistant over at West Harrison. It's just, you know, I, I may leave a few out. Kovacevic was a head coach of baseball in, in Florida at a high school. Now back as an assistant, I believe, at Stone. It's just a very, uh, very good group of guys. And uh, I'm glad to be able to spotlight them. I appreciate everyone for listening. I appreciate y'all for uh, always having my back when it comes to doing this, and uh, I look forward to doing more. So I might, I might try to squeeze out some uh, some basketball uh, podcasts here in the next couple months. You know, whether it be some Diarville basketball or you know a little Gulf Coast Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College uh, ladies and men's. Y'all just stay tuned, and and you know Clay Jeff. Jason, Slick and Dave, those guys got it popping over there in Pearl River County. So you just pay attention to the Talking Ball Y'all page. Uh, plenty of stuff popping on there and coming out. So this is Jeremy Forian signing off. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys.